the regular board meeting of Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. Uh, roll call, please. Here. Commissioner Alexander? Here. Vice President Bogus? Here. Commissioner Shu? Here. Commissioner Matomedy? Here. Commissioner Sanchez? Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Here. President Lamb? Here. Okay. At this time, before the board goes into closed session, I call for any speakers to the closed session items listed in the agenda. There will be a total of five minutes for speakers. Are there any speakers for public comment? We have no in-person public comment speakers, um, and I am seeing no um, virtual public comment speakers. Thank you. And at this time, I'd like to recess um, to close session.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
reconvene to open session. A report from closed session. In five matters of anticipated litigation, the board gave direction to general counsel. In the matter of F. Darlene M. Anya versus SFUSD, SF Superior Court, case number CGC 2587614, the board by a vote of six ayes, one absent, gives the authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. Opening items are land acknowledgement. We, the San Francisco Board of Education, acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatosh Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatosh Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Now I'd like to move to the Approval of board minutes, regular meeting of October 25th, 2022. So moved. Second. Is that, it, are these October 25th no, or is that? I'm sorry. I had November 15th, okay. Thank you, November 15th. My, as soon as I said it, I realized that was <laughs> November 15th. So for the motion, we have a, um, it's been moved and seconded. Roll call vote, please. Or Ms. Hansen? Yes. Mr. Kanashta? Yes. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Lamb? Yes. Seven eyes. Great, thank Six you. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, I do want to know, I will be moving action item agenda J um, to follow public comment. Just please note that. And I will now turn it to Dr. Wayne for the superintendent's report. Thank you, Board President Lamb. Good evening, everyone. Um, <clears throat> Um, I want to start off uh, talking about an important topic. The, the slide says school health and safety, but it's also about um, build, uh, rebuilding and maintaining trust with our community. And so we know, I uh, appreciate we've, we've been talking a lot in our last uh, board meeting. We had a long discussion about our goals for student learning. But a foundation is that our students need to be in uh, safe learning environments and need to be healthy. And, um, and we th have been working hard to make sure that that has happened. And I know over the years, the board has looked and addressed and seen where there's issues that need to be addressed. For example, at Buena Vista Horace Mann. I know the community advocated um, uh, to, uh, for uh, recognizing it had needs in its facilities and the board responded um, with being able to, uh, authorizing moving forward with uh, modernization. And to do that, it's meant we've 
um, needed to do work to assess the site. And in that process, we have identified areas where there may be safety issues. And, um, and that is incredibly concerning when we see that when we have students at a, at a school. Uh, because even though what prompts it is our efforts to want to address student safety, um, we have students who are there uh, in the here and now that we know we need to take whatever action is necessary to ensure that they're safe. And so uh, I had a chance to talk with the Buena Vista Horse Man community and hear their concerns and hear the concerns in the moment but also the concerns with what, um, uh, uh, with how we have addressed these issues in the past. And so I shared with them that what they should expect and the standard that I hold myself and our leadership team to and that the Board of Education is holding me to is being transparent, um, accountable for following up, being visible and responsive. And um, so we've been working to do that in, uh, in addressing these issues. And so um, we're at Buena Vista Horace Mann, we were doing soil testing where we found some lead in the soil. And so we've been uh, responding by fencing off the area, um, providing bottled water, collaborating with the health department, and implementing additional testing. Uh, um, and that additional testing has demonstrated we may need to take additional actions uh, as well. And so tonight we're bringing forward and you see later an emergency contract for remediation so we can move as quickly as possible. And so I do want to recognize that when we're sharing information, um, when you're a parent, and I'm a parent, you know, and you hear that there may be a safety issue at your school, all you want to hear is that it's going to be fixed. And so we are doing our best to fix it and we're committed again to that transparent communication about our, pro our progress in doing so. Um, but I just want to acknowledge how difficult these situations are, but share what you can uh, and should expect from us as we're working to uh, address them. Um, let's see here. Oh. It, didn't, it moved the first time. I don't know, can you go to the next slide? Um, so uh, recently, um, last week, uh, we celebrated uh, Inclusive Schools Week. And this is such an important um, um, time to celebrate practices that are happening all year. When I introduced myself to the community, I shared I was a middle school language arts teacher uh, at one of the first schools in New York that had an inclusion program. So I had um, special education students in, in my classroom and know how important it is to provide all students with the opportunities to be with their peers and be included in as many activities as possible. So uh, each year in San Francisco, we have an annual event that celebrates the progress schools have made in providing an inclusive education for our diverse student population and our students marginalized due to disability, gender, and also socioeconomic status, cultural heritage, language preference, and other factors. And this uh, year, schools incorporate inclusivity lessons and activities. There were district-wide events featuring participants, participants of a 1977 sit-in advocating for disability rights and Special Olympic athletes. So I'm proud we, we used this week to celebrate our efforts towards inclusiveness and recognize it needs to be something that happens um, all uh, all year. So um, if you go to the next slide, I know there's been a lot of buzz around football in the area um, and you know with the promise of championships, but I'm not talking about the 49ers. We delivered on a promise for championship because our own um, Lincoln High School won the 7A championship. It's their third state championship. So let's give them a big round of applause. Yeah. So they defeated the Crenshaw Cougars 54-6 to at Kazar Stadium. Did you say, is that your, uh, 
I said go Mustang. Oh, go Mustang, yes. Uh, uh, and um, at the Kizar Stadium on Saturday, December 10th, um, we're really proud of their athletic accomplishments, but also how they work together as a team uh, to reach this level of success. So congratulations to them. And then just want to end, we're in the um, you know holiday season, and we know there's a lot of school school activities, but I was very appreciative since um, you know, we're at the district office. Commodore Sloat, their choir came down to share some of the holiday cheer and some of their talent of singers um, uh, with us here at the district office. And so I want to share a brief uh, excerpt of their performance. Um, it was great to see them, and I, I asked them what they liked about the choir, and uh, the main answer was the hot chocolate and cookies. Uh, but then I asked them what they learned being in choir, and they really spoke to being able to learn how to read music, what, how to work with the conductor, and so appreciate um, the choir teacher from Commodore Sloat uh, for leading the group, and just wanted to bring a little holiday cheer uh, to our, our board meeting since they were able to bring it down to the district office. So that concludes my report. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. I'd um, like to now have our student delegates, uh, Hansen and Kanushta, uh, give their student delegates report. Thank you, President Lamb. We want to congratulate all of our seniors who submitted their applications for the University of California and the California State Universities. We know that a lot of seniors may have more applications due by the new year, um, but we still hope you're all able to have a restful winter break. And we also wish everyone good luck with their finals and congratulate everyone on making it through the fall semester. Thank you. 
Thank you. I'd um, like to now go to the payroll state of emergency update. Uh, Dr. Wayne. Uh, thank you. Since declaring the state of emergency, I, I committed to providing a, an update at every regular Board of Education meeting. Um, I wanted to provide uh, just first an overview of what has happened since declaring the state of emergency and then highlight progress in a few uh, key areas um, as well as share where there's, there's still concerns. And so um, if you go to the next slide. Um, you know, so a lot has happened since declaring the state of emergency. Um, the, you can see the list here. I want to highlight uh, first just the work our case managers are doing. We reassigned staff from the uh, from different departments, recognizing we're in a state of emergency and this is a priority. Uh, they've received training and they're really helping us accelerate uh, responding to issues and closing. And so we've been able to close over 2,000 tickets over the past uh, 30 days. Um, and then uh, also we committed to providing ongoing communication and so we're doing weekly updates with our staff and we have our uh, Empower SF website that includes a public facing dashboard. So you can see metrics of how we're doing in resolving tickets as well as in addressing the number of impacted employees. And there's a, a lot of work to be done um, uh, to stabilize the system and so we're mapping out what the next 90 days look like. Um, I did want to speak to two issues of particular importance if, uh, let me see, let's see, oh there we go. Um, and uh, so one is uh, related to health benefits. Every employee needs to have access to their health benefits. And we had heard that people were not able to access their health benefits. And we worked with the, um, we don't administer our health benefits. The city's health uh, service system is the one that administers it. And so when we learned that people were not getting their health benefits, we um, um, collaborated with them and met with them to identify the issue and then address the interface issue interface issues that were, led to that. However, it has meant there are still people who may not have had may not have access to their health benefits, and so we've been meeting with their executive director and team to determine. Uh, who those people are and how to restore the benefits right away. And really appreciate their recognizing that we're in a state of emergency. Um, we started to hear that trying to reach them was challenging and so they uh, created a dedicated phone line uh, for SFUSD employees. So we have the number on the screen is 628-652-4700. And the director herself has been uh, very supportive, said when you receive an email of somebody who doesn't have their benefits, please forward it to us so we can uh, investigate it right away. So they understand our top priority is to re, uh, restore benefits immediately. Um, so that's one issue. Another issue that had been incredibly frustrating for our staff is um, their ability to contribute to their retirement. That was actually an issue with our um, with the software provider, uh, you may have heard me say that SAP, our provider, um, we got escalated to their global escalation team. So they actually have people on site and working with our staff were able um, to resolve the system issue. But similar to the the health services issue, we now have resolved the issue moving forward, but we know people were negatively impacted. So we had a clinic um, to provide additional 403B support, and we're uh, still allowing employees to contribute uh, if they want to contribute anything additional before December. Um, then lastly, 
in, in the spirit of transparency, when I talk about we're making progress, but there are still challenges, that I do want to share, we are working on our end of year uh, preparation. And this is incredibly important that we're um, you know, uh, get, uh, um, making sure the system has accurate information, uh, so like validating pay and benefits contributions, and implementing and testing the systems so that when we mail out the tax information people need, the W-2s, that it, it is accurate. And so that one we're going to need to, uh, we're, we actually have a day-to-day -day plan for how to close the year out, uh, but we're still going to need to be proactive in communicating what to expect from that and then what to do if you do, if employees see any issues. Um, so these are definitely, uh, uh, these are three issues that are on top of mind for our employees and so wanted to provide an update. Um, and then you can look on the website uh, in our dashboard for seeing, uh, to see how we're doing with our overall progress. And I actually will conclude with, sorry, one last uh, to conclude. Oh, now it's not going again. Can you go to the next slide? Oh, there we go. Now, uh, so I do want to say, as we get to the end of, uh, before winter break, we've we moved up the time t for timesheets. We don't want anybody submitting timesheets after they go on break. So just a reminder, the timesheets are due on December 16th. And if people need support for uh, understanding their pay stub, uh, we have a portal for that. Uh, I did get to sit and talk with employees um, and some staff about their pay stubs. And it was both helpful, I think, for them, because it was able to illustrate some and show them where they could find some information they're asking for, and then also helpful for me to talk to the team about how we can um, uh, in, you know, strengthen our communication around here's how the pay stubs are working. So um, this is one resource. We have others available, and we'll continue communicating on this topic. So that now concludes my report. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. Um, and now I'd like to go to advisory committee reports and appointments. Um, we are going to have the Board of Education appointment to Elections Commission. Dr. Wayne. Um, thank you. So the um, Elections Commission is actually a city's com city commission that the Board of Education has a seat to which they can appoint a member. And so in, uh, in the past, the board has uh, appointed um, uh, commissioners to this commission. And it's, uh, we kind of looked into what the process had been. And, and it was really just a board member could share who they thought was going to um, uh, might do well serving on this commission. And so for this time, um, the uh, appreciate the board leadership gave the whole board an opportunity to um, um, reach out to their networks and, and consider who might be a, a, um, uh, a good candidate to be a commissioner. We also did make the application available on our website um, for anybody that's interested. But really, this is a, a board nomination to a committee that's a city commission, so it's not one that's going to impact uh, district operations. And so um, with that, uh, I believe we've received an applicant that is being brought forward for um, uh, approval to be on the Elections Commission. So um, per your agenda, we, board leadership reviewed the application and recommending the board appoint Michelle Parker to the commission. So I wanted to see if there's a motion and a second. So moved. Second. Thank you so much. Is there a public comment?
no in-person public comment. Uh, for our virtual participants, please raise your hand if you would like to share your public comment on the um, on this item. Seeing two hands raised. So, seeing one hand raised. Sarah? Hi, um, so I'm a substitute teacher at SFUSD and due to empower SF. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Sarah. Right now we are, um, we are on the elections commission item. Um, we do need to take our public comment on, no, I'm sorry. Um, we didn't, are we taking public comment on? I will go back, sorry. Okay, okay, you will have um, one minute. Go ahead, please. I'm sorry. Hi, sorry. I've reached. Yes, sorry. go ahead. Yes, I reached out the sorry. other. I'm so sorry. It was my error. I did not call for public comment after Dr. Wayne's presentation. So what we will do is we will finish um, this item of the agenda. We'll go through the advisory report. Then I will go back and reopen public comment for the Empower update. My sincere apologies for that uh, oversight. Well, I'll have to wait a while, huh? Yes, please. Yes. Thank you. Seeing no public comment for this item. Thank you. I believe Vice President Bogus, did you have a comment? I did. Um, so I think I just want to first appreciate President Lamb um, and district staff for kind of their work for pulling this process together. Um, even though I did review the application and was in support of recommending moving this candidate forward, uh, I woke up this morning with hesitations um, around the process and really, um, even though I did agree to this process, support this process, and approve a candidate through this process, um, I think I just woke up with a change of heart seeing kind of what's been happening with the election commission and the decisions that are being made on that commission in regards to its leadership and really feeling like it might be more helpful for us to have a, a, a broader process that really incorporates a little bit more of our school community into the decision of who we appoint for this. Um, so I'm just indicating that I, I will not be supporting the recommendation coming from um, board leadership uh, but also I think want to indicate that it's not a reflection on the qualifications of the candidate um, or their fit to kind of serve in this role, uh, really related to, to my feelings uh, about us potentially having a different process to do this as we, we move forward. Thank you. Thank you. Um, at this time, roll call vote, please. Ms. Hansen. Let me get some clarity on that. I'm sure. confused about what's going on because I thought board leadership was recommending this candidate. So I just want to. I'm confused. Are we? Are you all suggesting a different process, or is Vice President Bogus? Are you suggesting a different process? So I am not suggesting a different process, but I am voting no on this recommendation, even though I am one of the people who made the recommendation. And that is why it is confusing. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, let me clarify. And I think some of it is, I, I just really, as I woke up this morning, just kind of had a, a change of heart as far as the process, but not the candidate. So I just wanted to, to separate those two and explain uh, my vote and my positioning. 
Ms. Hansen? Yes. Um, Mr. Kanishta? Yes. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? No. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Lamb? Yes. Six eyes, or five eyes, one nay. Thank you. I will go back to um, recognizing I don't want to make our educators and staff members wait longer, so I am going to reopen public comment for Empower since that was my oversight, not opening it up. Um, so at this time, uh, for public comment on the Empower update. No. So we have no in-person. Uh, please raise your hand if you care to speak to the Empower SF update item. Each speaker will have one minute. Um, and I will call speakers in groups of three. Sarah? I hope this is the right time to share this. Um, I'm losing my health insurance because of Empower SF and the mistake I've reached out and I've gotten no response. I reached out to the board of supervisors um, and it, it had to do with last year losing my CTA dues, the district not paying them. Um, so I mean, it's a hardship for us. My husband will have to pay 500 a month um, health insurance and we don't have money. I'm like working basically almost full time for the district now. Nobody's reached out back to me regarding this. I'm like heartbroken. I've worked since 2001 for the district and I've had health insurance for like, like a decade or more, 15 years. Thank you. Can we get her contact information? Lucia, can you give her your contact, please? Yes. Sarah, are you still there? Yes, I'm okay. there. I'm still I, here. I'm going to give you my email address, um, and then can you send me your contact information, please, and, and we'll get you connected with folks, with a superintendent who can support, with folks Thanks. who can support. Okay. okay. What is your contact? Sure. It's a B like boy, mm -hmm. A like apple, R like red, I like indigo, LL like lion, lion, A like apple, S like Sam, mm -hmm. A like apple, at mm -hmm. sfusd.edu. Tell me your first name and your last name. First name is Alicia, last name is Berias. B-R-I-L-L-A-S. B-A-R-I-L-L-A-S. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, cause, because I've reached out and nobody replies. They go, yes, let's give you my contact number and then I get no response. Yeah. And then I'll say, and if, if uh, usually when people are making public comment here, we're able to talk to them because we do want to follow up. So maybe if the, pub, if the person making public comments needs follow up, if you could also just say your full name, we could probably find you. Uh, particularly if, if you've emailed, we could find uh, um, the name. So we still might, uh, you know, my name my name's Sarah Sarah Amanoff, and um, basically um, the CTA dues weren't paid, and I had um, disability accommodation okay. during the pandemic. So, yeah, we, we sorry to interrupt. So that it's just helpful. We'll, we'll be able to follow up then. Okay. 
Thank you very, very much. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Shelly, Sarah, and Virginia Marshall. So Shelly, Sarah, Virginia Marshall. Shelly, go ahead, please. Thank you. I'm going to speak very quickly. Good evening, Superintendent Wayne, President Lamb, members of the board. Briefly, I am Shelley Wiener, Secretary of the SFUSD Chapter of SEIU and an SFUSD 1426 Senior Clerk Typist at Alamo Elementary. I am calling in today while suffering from severe vertigo to advise you that the situation with the command center, DOT, HR benefits and labor is intolerable to not just me, not just I'm SCIU. so sorry to interrupt. I'm so sorry to interrupt. But when you are reading oh, yes. a written comment, you can't actually go that fast for your interpreters. Thank you so much. Absolutely correct. Okay. To advise you that the situation with the command center, DOT, human resources, benefits and labor is intolerable to not just me, not just SEIU, but to all union represented employees of the SFUSD. Both hard copies and digital copies of all the trouble tickets, the emails which they generated, my responses and the unacceptable responses which I received regarding the disposition of most all of the tickets which I had placed and not on my behalf, but on behalf of all the unions, will be sent to the superintendent and all board members at the conclusion of this meeting for your reference. The rush to close tickets without actually solving the issue is appalling. We are given but four days to respond to an email about a trouble ticket. Otherwise, the ticket is closed out and the maker will have to submit a new ticket and start over. I'm going to speak about just one issue. Since April, I have asked that Empower SF... I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, that is your time. Thank you. Sarah? Hi, my name is Sarah Maskin. I am a fellow public school teacher. I teach in a, um, a neighboring district, and I have called many times to express my concern and outrage, honestly, over the Empower fiasco. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, while I appreciate the board and the district's um, attention to this, and I appreciate kind of the overview of the information and what, what you are trying to do, frankly, to the casual observer, like this is just a litany of jargon. And as a teacher and as a parent of SFUSD students, I think that at this point, people just want to know how this is going to be fixed. Um, this has been this has lasted so long and it just, it's going to feel ridiculous at this point. In addition, when I'm hearing all of these stories of teachers who are suffering and are not getting paid properly and are having the benefits messed around with, um, I, I appreciate, you know, the, uh, I appreciate people trying to reach out, but I'm wondering what is happening to all of the people who don't have time to get on to this meeting and to ask for help. And I'm wondering how we can, all these people. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Marshall. Thank you so much, sister. Uh, to President Lamb, Vice President Voga, Superintendent Wayne, Board Commissioners, ladies and gentlemen, it has been almost a year since we, the public, have heard about this disaster with, uh, with the payroll. It has not gotten any better. 
I don't know what you all need to do, but you need to do something. Every week, a board meeting will be here and here and here and here. Nothing is solved. And thank you, President Lim. I was about to say, let's send her a text message or an email or something. Whenever an educator comes to you all for help, stop the meeting and let them go as you just did. Whenever a student comes down for help, stop and let them go. Without the students, we have no, you have no job. Without the educators, we have no job. So please fix it. We're getting ready to go into the holiday season. You still have folks who have not been paid. That's, that's unacceptable. It will be a year out in January or February since I started making these comments. And I'm just doing comments. But what if this was me not being paid as an educator? Unacceptable. So please do something. Do not go on your own uh, Christmas or winter break until you all get everybody paid. It is, it, they can be paid. And you wasted $13 million. Thank, Thank you, you. Ms. Marshall. Thank you. Okay, next group is Ms. B and Ms. Chris Klaus. Ms. B, go ahead, please. Hello, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Wonderful, thank you. Um, I was, uh, I just wanted to um, amplify what uh, one of the previous callers called in. I, for the last four months, I've just been hearing people tell their stories and we treat them as though they're individual issues. If you have time somehow to sit in these meetings and tell your story, you will get support. And perhaps they will, somebody will address your issue. You shouldn't have to come to a board of ed meeting to have a desk in the hallway that will help you. You shouldn't have to call in to tell your story publicly to have uh, help come to you. This is not an individual problem. It's a systemic problem. It continues. I just got two tickets that were, quote, resolved from August and July. I don't know how they were resolved. There is no information on there. Apparently, they're closed tickets. And I'm, I'm not even sure which of the many tickets I have open they refer to. And when people then say, please give us your name so we can help you, that's just pitting people against each other. We all need help. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Klaus. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a special education teacher at Washington High School. Um, I'm calling in because I have two help tickets that I received emails about saying, oh, your request has been updated. And normally when that happens, I get information in that email or I can look at the ticket in the system and see what the update has been. And on both of those, all the update has said is your ticket or your request has been updated. And I've replied to both asking what the update is and I have received no response. So I still don't know what's going on. Um, I have not bothered to call the call center because I have had multiple colleagues as a building rep at my site come in and one come in while you know I had students working independently and they wanted to check in with me because they were on hold with the call center and it hung up on them with uh, after less than a minute on hold multiple times. And then I'm hearing stories about other people who are on hold for hours or who don't get a response or who don't get answers by calling. So it's not something that I've felt like devoting a lot of time to. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say is um, for everyone who has called in to support 
the employees of SFUSD and the educators with this. Thank you. Please remember that it is not just your educators. It is everyone being impacted. That is your time. Thank you. Next group, it will be Charles, Michael, and Malia. Again, that's Charles, Michael, and Malia. Charles, go ahead, please. Thank you. Um, I'm curious if an audit will ever be conducted um, from an outside group to see what happened and what went wrong with Empower. Why was this contract chosen? Why was the contract written the way it was? Why wasn't the system run parallel to the old system to make sure it worked? Why wasn't it pulled back when it failed miserably? Please consider hiring an outside auditor to review the terms of this contract and what went wrong so that other public agencies and other school systems never have to suffer this again. Thank you. Thank you. Michael? Yes, hello. I'm going to continue Shelley Wiener's comment. Since April, I've asked that Empower SF be fixed to reflect some of the requirements of the two unions of SFUSD MOUs approved by the B Board of Ed in February 21 and January 22, which confirm that the district will provide five days additional sick leave for reaction to COVID vaccination and 10 additional sick days leave for actually coming down with COVID-19 or caring for a sick child with COVID, et cetera, for a total of 15 days. Empower SF has only ever shown the 10 days for COVID-19 illness. Employees have used sick time, vacation time, personal time, or gone without pay because the five days were missing. Who's going to audit all these errors to make employees whole? When I was contacted about this issue, I was told that the 10 sick days were all that were given. This is a direct contradiction to the MOUs. When I wanted to point out to the command center folks to read the MOUs, I noticed that they had all been taken down from the website, so they had no point of reference. Not acceptable. Thank you. Malia? Hi, my name is Malia Marinchek. I'm a senior at the Ruth Asawa School for the Arts. I just wanted to express my support for the Native American related programming that we've been able to receive at our school. Um, I've been able to participate in some of the summits and in the Native American summit. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Malia. That does conclude our virtual public comment. Okay. For so time. she can speak after when we get back to the, now that we're going to the advisory committee updates. That concludes public comment for the Empower uh, Payroll State of Emergency update. I'd like to go back to agenda F and now like to um, have the Migrant Education Program Parent Advisory Report. I'd like to call on Helen Pettiford, please, Office in Access and Equity.
Millie, come over here. Really? Good evening. Thank you, um, everyone, for being here. We're going to be projecting in Spanish. It looks like the English version is up. Um, and we brought some translations. We also loaded them to board docs in English. So um, right now, I'll just go ahead and introduce our panel. This is Blanca Gonzalez here. Hi, my name is Blanca Gonzalez. I work in the San Francisco Unified School District I, uh, for Migrant Education Program. Oh. I work in a migrant education program at San Francisco Unified School District. My name is Blanca Gonzalez. Thank you. Mi nombre es Teresa Molina y yo soy presidenta del programa de educación migrante y pues soy mamá también de, um, de unos muchachos que se benefician del programa y pues la, la presentación. Uh, my name is Gina Padilla. I am a community organizer, student advisor also for the Migrant Education Program, and we're here to support Teresa, our mom, leader, president. Um, thank you. Este voy a hablar verdad de lo que el programa Migrante ofrece, que es muy beneficioso para nuestros niños. Yo como madre de cinco hijos, pues sé cómo ese, este programa me ha, les ha beneficiado tanto a, a mí como, como mamá y como pues a mis hijos que se han este han aprovechado todo el programa. Y básicamente el programa de educación migrante um, Este, pues se trata ¿verdad? a través del trabajo de César Chávez, los trabajadores inmigrantes, durante la década de 1960, las leyes federales y estatales de California reconocieron los desafíos únicos que enfrentaban los estudiantes migrantes de, y dedicación a los recursos para apoyar a las familias. Y la misión y el propósito del programa migrante es uh, promoción y divulgación, salud y bienestar, apoyo y enriquecimiento académico al año escolar, clases de verano, taller de desarrollo familiar y apoyo a la transición de los estudiantes de secundaria y educación prosecundaria y empleo. Desarrollo profesional para el, para el programa de educación migrante. Y pues... Básicamente, la, la elegibilidad del programa de educación migrante es para niños y jóvenes de 3 a, a 22 años que no se hayan graduado de la escuela secundaria. El niño o padre tutor es un que sea un trabajador agrícola migrante en la industria de la pesquera y en los, en los Estados Unidos o en el campo. El niño y la familia se muda o que se hayan mudado en los 36 meses para obtener un empleo temporal o de cosecha en la agricultura y pesca. El niño se haya mudado de un distrito escolar a otro. Básicamente es, ese es el requisito para calificar para el programa migrante. 
preparación para la escuela, talleres para padres de servicio de kinder a 8 grados, intervención académica durante la escuela de verano, seguimiento del progreso y académico y apoyo a la salud mental. Servicios de 9, del 9 al 12 grado y hay asesoramiento y seguimiento del progreso académico, excursiones educativas, desarrollo de liderazgo, talleres sobre preparación universitaria, profesional y oportunidades financieras, gestión de casos según sea necesario al apoyo de la salud mental. Servicios de jóvenes fuera de la escuela de 14 a 22 años, gestión de casos, enlaces a jóvenes con agencias comunitarias y educativas, apoyo para la salud mental. Servicio para estudiantes y familias del programa migrante, los servicios sociales de salud física y mental, colaboración con otros recursos de la comunidad de salud para vincular a las familias del programa migrante. Servicios de participación y apoyo para padres, desarrollo de capacidad y liderazgo, de habilidades de apoyo académico para los padres. Comité asesor de padres del PAD, que yo también pertenezco a ese comité. Y pues básicamente um, no están los otros padres porque en realidad ellos tienen hijos chiquitos y pues no tienen dónde dejarlos, pagar no pueden pagar para, para este que los cuiden. Entonces básicamente yo estoy representando a esos padres porque es la razón por la que ellos quieren estar aquí, pero Gracias. básicamente no pueden. Y pues... Identificación de los estudiantes a través de las actividades de extensión basadas en la escuela y la comunidad, inscripción en servicios académicos y sociales apropiados. Apoyo de educa la educación de programa migrante post-COVID-19. Aumentar el apoyo a las familias migrantes, aumentar el nivel de referencia de salud mental, referencia de despensa de alimentos de emergencia, servicios de nutrición del Distrito Escolar de San Francisco, programa de asistencia para el alquiler, guía de solicitud de alquiler, conexión de caridades católicas, MEDA, Poder, Carecen, La Raza y apoyo tecnológico. Apoyo uno a uno para todas las familias migrantes. Apoyo de la línea directa del Distrito Escolar, enlaces de familias, Distribución de útiles escolares, apoyo de inscripción, aplicaciones para grados de prekinder al 12 grado. Los aspectos destacados del programa migrante, y como ven, pues ahí están, ¿verdad?, Las, los estudiantes de, cua, de cuarto a quinto grado de la escuela de verano, que son unos, unas clases muy, muy beneficiosas para nuestros niños porque ellos en las materias que están un poco mal atrasados ellos se ponen al nivel que deben de estar entonces pues es un programa muy bueno básicamente taller de ciencias y básicamente los éxitos son el apoyo continuo para los estudiantes que reciben intervención académica en la escuela de verano y, mentor y mentoría Preparación para los estudiantes de secundaria, que es SAT, ACT y FAXA, Acta de los Soñadores del Dream, solicitudes universitarias y declara, declaraciones personales. 
la tasa de graduación del 92% del 2021, equipo del programa migrante completo con personal, consejo asesor, proactivo de los padres del programa migrante. Todos los estudiantes de pre-kinder de pre asisten al programa de tales como gestar, Distrito Escolar, Privados, Colaboración y Apoyo Continuo del Equipo de, de Accesos y equidad. y equidad. Programa de Verano del 2022, dos estudiantes, 12 estudiantes hicieron un internado pagado trabajando, asistiendo a los maestros en los salones de clases. Que ese programa fue muy bueno, no lo teníamos, pero este año se dio y fue bien beneficioso para nuestros jóvenes. Programa Migrante, Instituto de Educación y los estudiantes asistieron a la Universidad Estatal de Fresno, California y recibieron un estipendio monetario, que eso también es bien beneficioso porque eso los, 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 los motiva para que ellos sigan estudiando y que vean qué, qué provechoso es llegar a la universidad. Desafíos, desafíos y prioridades. Falta de interpretación de idioma, humildad, cultural, empatía en las escuelas. Falta de vivienda, pobreza, problemas de migración, acceso de, lo, de la educación para los padres. Los estudiantes están en varios sitios escolares. Difícil de obtener acceso a servicios, desafíos post-COVID-19. Aumento de desalojos, pérdida total de empleo de las familias del programa migrante. Aumento de las, de las amenazas de deportación, pérdida total de estabilidad financiera, incapacidad para obtener ayuda del gobierno y mayor angustia social y emocional. Discriminación del 14% de fondos federales y las prioridades, garantías de financiamiento para mantener el nivel de apoyo y para reclutar estudiantes y familias del programa de educación migrante. Desarrollo del idioma de inglés para padres con cuidado de niños. Continuación del financiamiento para seguir con terapias de familias para abordar los temas de traumas, crisis, separación de familias y los desafíos de migración. Y esas clases que se dan para los, para los padres son muy beneficiosas porque este um, es un, una, como un programa de... de Siete clases, siete clases que se dan para los padres para que uno se vaya pues educando y sabiendo cómo lidiar con los problemas que los, nuestros jóvenes tienen. Y este eh, la última página dice, puede que no sepan sus nombres, pero ellos y ellas alimentan a nuestras familias, que es como están viendo en el, en el, en el video, ¿verdad?, que... No sabemos los nombres de ellos, pero son los que nos llevan nuestros alimentos a nuestras mesas, a las mesas de ustedes, a las de nosotros. Y básicamente son personas que trabajan muy duro, de sol a sol. Y este y los trabajadores agrícolas crecen, cosecha los alimentos que nos comemos todos los días. No merecen ser inesperados. Apoyen a nuestros trabajadores para una protección más fuerte contra los pesticidas, que eso es algo bien terrible, ¿verdad? Que nuestras familias se enferman, unos mueren envenenados por los tóxicos que le ponen a los, 
a las plantas, pues. Y pues queremos su apoyo de, de ustedes, que si pueden apoyar en eso, de que, los, que ya no le pongan tanto pesticidas a los a nuestros plantas. Ayudar a nuestros muchachos también. Y pues muchas gracias, es todo lo que les puedo aportar y pues esperamos el apoyo de todos ustedes. Uh, any questions? Any, anything that we can? Thank you so much. I will take, if there's public comment, then I'll open it up for any questions from commissioners. Do in-person public comment? Thank you. So I will call speakers up in groups of four. Uh, the first speaker is Paloma Flores, Mary Jean Robertson, Poppy Gallegos, and Rodin Hartsoff. For the next presentation. Okay. Sorry, that's for our next presentation. I will check our. Uh, please raise your hand if you care to speak to the migrant ed presentation. Each speaker will have one minute, and I will call speakers up. Um, I'm just seeing. Okay, each speaker will have one minute. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches, por favor levante su mano si tiene algún comentario público relacionado a la presentación que hemos visto. Gracias. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to congratulate uh, my former supervisor, Helen Pettifor, and my old colleagues in the Department A&E, &E, and especially migrant education uh, colleagues. Thank you for all that you do, going that extra step to reach our students who, who, are, who need the help the most. There, there are language barriers, housing barriers, job barriers for their parents, but you go out and you beat the bushes to find these students, to get them enrolled in, our pro in that program, and it's a great program. I always tell our students that when you buy into the apple from your cafeteria or from your home, it just didn't get to say, well, look, if someone had to pick that apple, and many times these are migrant education students who should be in the classroom. So thank you for your great work. Ah, Shay, please continue. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you all so much for being here and for your presentation. I'm going to ask my question in Spanish and then in English. Um, bueno, tengo dos preguntas. La primera es, más o menos, ¿cuántos estudiantes están participando en los programas que nos han 
describado. Y la otra pregunta, bueno, okay, voy a seguir con esto. Um, so my question is, how many students more or less are participating in these programs? Eh, eh, desgraciadamente, este es un programa federal que tiene muchas reglas ahora. Comenzamos el año escolar con 144 y el día de hoy estamos con 214. Es muy, muy difícil encontrar familias porque tenemos que llevar las líneas del gobierno federal. Pero sí tenemos en todas las escuelas de San Francisco regados de, desde pre-K hasta el 12 grado y tenemos niños fuera de la escuela. Commissioner Weissman, would like to have interpretation to English, please? Yeah. Okay. So there are, um, we started the year with 144. With 144 students, right now we are up to 214. It's very difficult to find students uh, in the school district. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. It's extremely hard to go to the schools and parents tell us, oh, we're migrants, we're farm workers. Um, we do a lot of the work with the help of the parent liaisons. Some of the principals, um, people who know us, Blanca and I have been doing this work for about 20 years. So we have a lot of contacts and friendships at, at different schools. But the district has changed so much. We are, we're now the old ladies who come to all these new young people who don't know us anymore. <laughs> so we're trying to rebuild contacts. But it's very difficult to find our students and they only get eligibility for three years. And every three years we have, they have to either go again and work, work in the fields or they lose their eligibility. So we're constantly losing students and trying to find others to help. Gracias. Ya, ya me respondieron a la otra pregunta que fuera sobre eh, eh, cómo están, cómo la gente se da cuenta que puede calificar para ese programa. Well, Pero en the folders we gave you, there's a sheet of paper sí. that we have it, that we that's supposed to be turned in at EPC to every family that comes to the district, and then they send these forms back to us, and if there's even the slightest hint that they've done some kind of work. Blanca calls them and she goes through all the questionnaire and, and that's how we find families, is through that little piece of paper. And then um, we actually made 8,000 copies this year. In the beginning of the school year, we went to every school and we took them to the parent liaison so they could send them in the Wednesday folders to the families to see if they return them, so um, we just try every trick that we have on our sleeves <laughs> to try to find families. We also have it on the website, although that's not really a place that a lot of our families have access to or go to look at it. Um, it is available there in English and Spanish. Thank you. Commissioner Alexander. Ya sí, mi pregunta era similar a, a lo de mi compañera, y, pero también quiero saber si las, reg, las reglas federales limitan la, los servicios. O, o sea, ¿es, ¿es posible proveer servicios 
a, a otras estudiantes o solo a los estudiantes que, que califican? Porque muchos de estos servicios imagino que sería muy útil para diferentes estudiantes y también creo que es, es importante enfocar este tipo de, de programa o, o integrarlo a los esfuerzos de las escuelas en términos de matemáticas y leer y todo eso, ¿no? Entonces, ¿cómo están pensando en este tipo de integración? So I was asking kind of about like the integrating the program with our both our academic goals, like the goals that we've set as a board, but also the the needs of other students because all these services are really really useful for other students. So I was also asking if the federal rules only limit them to be able to provide services to these students and if they're thinking how they think about integrating. Yeah. Pero sí nos da tristeza no poder hacer más por ellos académicamente, que sería algo muy bueno que las escuelas tuvieran más uno a uno. Pero sí, es, es eso así. Cada niño representa un dinero federal y es a los niños que tenemos que servir, a las familias. Yeah, we can only we can only serve uh, those families that do qualify through the, through the migrant education program with the federal funds. Uh, right now, we're finding a lot of newcomers, a lot, a lot. We, we work at Mission High School, and they send them all to the migrant ed office. So we don't say no. We, we help them as much as we can, refer them to programs, but we cannot work with them one-on-one. -on -one. But we do have quite a few that come to us, and they know we're there for them. So. Um, yeah, you should come to the office. It's kind of like a, a house. It's it's their home. It's uh, so I'm the grandma. Blanca is the auntie, and Brenda, who's on maternity leave, is like the big sister who tells them, I just graduated from college. You are all gonna graduate from college. So they have, you know, we have grandma, auntie, and the big sister, and, Helen, like and then Helen, who's just the best supervisor we could oh sorry to cut you off Gina I just wanted to add that our services because it is a federal grant are supplementary services so we can't cut into the core of the regular school day what the d district offers so that's why we do after school summer school breaks things like that other kinds of services too that we can help um, their experience overall thank you Thank you again so much for your report and your work, um, and really appreciate it. Gracias. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night. Thank you so much. Next, we have the Indian Education Parent Advisory Council, Title Seven. Like to also call upon uh, Helen Pettiford again.
Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Adri Almaguer. I'm the program manager of the Indian Education Program, and we are incredibly excited to be speaking with you all today. Slide. Thank you. Our beautiful program was established in 1971 as a Title VI program that supports the educational and cultural needs of the American Indian Alaskan Native community. We offer academic supports and advocacy, tutoring, cultural workshops such as uh, beading and drum making, uh, as well as our high school internship program. Uh, none of which would be possible without the tremendous support of our community partners, uh, which include the American Indian Cultural Center, the Friendship Health Youth Program, the Native American Health Center, and the American Indian uh, Cultural District, and most importantly, our uh, Parent Advisory Committee. Good evening, my name is Lisa Miller, and I am the chairperson for the Indian Education uh, Parent Advisory Committee. And, um, oh, the one is, yes, yeah, so. To your left. To my left is uh, Shama, she is our secretary, and uh, we have a student representative, that's um, Miley Dean. And we also have a parent representative that is also with us today. Her name is Brittany Burroughs. Good evening. The American Indian community has been disenfranchised historically, beginning with the creation of this country and continuing with the establishment of residential schools designed to kill the Indian and save the man, as well as assimilation programs like the Indian Relocation Act. More recently, we've seen increases in Native American and Alaska Native representation at the state and federal levels of government with active legislators, members of Congress, Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland, and National Park Service Director Chuck Sams. Locally, the community has experienced the success of the establishment of the American Indian Cultural Center in 2017, the removals of both the Pioneer and Columbus statues in 2018 and 2020 respectively, as well as the somber success of May 5th being designated designated as Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Awareness Day in San Francisco. We've endured the challenge of the Board of Ed unanimously voting to remove or cover the racist murals at Washington in 2019, only to have the board that sits before us reverse course when faced with a lawsuit from the Alumni Association and vote to overturn that decision in May of this year without the decency of consulting our PATH student or families. We had to find out in the media. Next slide, please. Some of the challenges our students face with regard to educational success include the highest suicide and dropout rates of all ethnic groups, the lowest graduation rates nationwide, our families also suffer the highest unemployment rates and are 17 times more likely to be homeless. In schools, our students endure cultural appropriation and racism, the loss of indigenous languages, the lack of humility, sensitivity, and truthful representation in curriculum, and further insulting, on a very basic level, our community doesn't even get recognized at their schools during the Indigenous Peoples Holiday and Native American Heritage Month. They also experience cultural erasure by not having their statistics included in reports of academic data. Our program successes include an elementary aged land acknowledgement, which was developed by our interns and approved by our PAC in May. This past summer, we had 35 youth participants in our programming called Many Ways of Knowing, which was at Hummingbird Farms. We also had our first four-week art workshop completed, and a new internship cohort started this September. The fourth grade curriculum was approved and piloted to teachers in May. Next slide, please. 
This year, we also held our first annual Native American Heritage Month celebration, which was a citywide event with 400 attendees and 70 teachers who attended the professional development workshop. We held six Native American cultural workshops at Ruth Asawa School of the Arts for our celebration, our cultural celebration summit. We performed outreach to 40 schools, informing them about November being Native American Heritage Month and what that means to us. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. As many of you know, uh, the resolution in support of reclaiming the American Indian Alaskan Native narrative was passed last January in 2021. The resolution consists of 19 items meant to provide visibility and support to the district's Native community. The first item being a formal apology for the historical trauma um, that our students and communities felt uh, nationwide in the school system. Followed by the agreement to remove all racist imagery and text and a promise to update curriculums. This year we collectively made great strides in several items. The first being the initial meeting with the facilities team to identify the costs of displaying the land acknowledgement at each and every SFUSD site as agreed upon in items five and six of the resolution. In the resolution item 15, we've made progress in identifying students. Now having the 506 forms in the district's registration page, as well as on our Indian Ed uh, program website page. This May, we piloted our approved fourth grade uh, history curriculum on the Ohlone's peoples. And sadly, we have not seen uh, much improvement in the removal of racist imagery, especially the George Washington mural. That being said, uh, I'd love to introduce our uh, youth intern, Samantha. Hi, my name is Samantha Duarte, and I am a senior in my tribes are Navajo and Apache. This year, we drafted the elementary school land acknowledgement. In groups, we were assigned a part of the land acknowledgement to rewrite so elementary schoolers would better understand it. It was voted to be displayed to schools on May 5th, 2022, the resolution number five and six, adopting and displaying the land acknowledgement. This should be at all schools. It is important that youth learn this at a young age so they are educated about the land they stand on. The elementary age land acknowledgement reads, we Indian Ed program understand that San Francisco is still the homeland of the native people that call themselves Ramatashaloni. As the Native American caretakers of the Bay Area, the Ramatashaloni have never given away, lost, or forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this land and its peoples. As Bay Area residents, we recognize that we benefit from living and learning on Ramatashaloni land. We'd like to recognize the entire Ohlone community and their status as the First Peoples. Please support the land acknowledgement and have it displayed at all schools. I'd love to see this happen before I graduate. Thank you. My name is Gabriel. I am in ninth grade and my tribe is Puma. My name is Michelle Ball. I'm in 11th grade and my tribe is Navajo. We will be talking about the importance of celebrating Native American Heritage Month in schools. Heritage Month is important because of how they tried to erase our culture and way of life. This celebration will help the new generation experience the joy and importance of their heritage. It is important for us to practice our culture through dancing and making jewelry uh, by showing our talent because uh, up in, uh, because from the 1830s up until 1996, residential schools are open and taking Native children and forcing them to give up all traditional practices. 
and if shown defiance, the children were met with brutal beatings, sexual abuse, and death causing generational trauma. Even though we are at a point where we are more accepted, we are still not acknowledging our schools during Native American Heritage Month. Next year, we hope that all schools should announce and celebrate Native American Heritage Month. Thank you. Hello, my name is Raymond Tavaki. I am a sophomore in George Washington High School. My tribes are Pomo, Nomaleki, Wintun, and Noemi. In 2019, the SF Board of Education passed their removal slash covering of the George Washington mural. This year, the San Francisco Board of Education dismissed the removal without consulting SFUSD families in a closed door meeting. Excuse me. The mural is still shown in George Washington High School and is disgusting to look at while walking inside the entrance of my school. It's vile to show this image to young indigenous adolescents because it glorifies genocide of their people. This mural is disrespectful to those that fought for our land that we are still on to this day. I believe that the mural should be taken down because it portrays white supremacy and it's disrespectful to indigenous people. I hope to see this mural taken down before I graduate. Thank you for your time. Good evening. So our community is asking that there is a recommitment to the resolution items. We ask that there is a meeting with the superintendent to facilitate successful completion of the resolution items. We would like for you guys to prioritize the removal of all racist imagery, including the Washington mural. Racist imagery glorifies institutional slavery and is unwelcoming to our Native children. We ask that there's an increased visibility of the Native American Heritage Month and updated curriculum requirements that prioritize the American Indian community. We ask that there is, that you provide advocacy for school selection and placement for Native students for active recruitment, hiring, and retention of Native American, Alaskan Native, and especially California Indian teachers in the San Francisco Unified School District. We ask for an immediate commitment to increase and sustain the Indian education program and to support in providing insurance for cultural barriers and program consultants. Thank you. concludes. Thank you all so much and thank you to our students um, for presenting tonight, co-presenting. I'd like to open up for public comment at this time. I will uh, call people in groups of four. So Paloma Flores, Mary Jean Robertson, Poppy Gallegos, and Rodin Hartsoff. So come up to the podium. Push, push the button. Push the button. 
Good evening. Show me some way. My name is Paloma Flores. Many of you have seen me in the past, prior to my current role with the American Indian Cultural District, established March 31st of 2020. You've heard the truth. None of this is new. Support that resolution of reclaiming American Indian Alaskan Native narrative passed almost three years ago, yet of the 19 points, much has yet to be met, similar to the needs of this community. I'm here to also say support the removal of that racist imagery. During the public hearings, it was said that it was used as a teaching tool. Then teach the truth. Teach the curriculum that is required in the state of California that as of October of this year, Assembly Bill 1703 establishes the California Indian Education Act to encourage local educational agencies to form California Indian Education Task Forces with California Indian tribes local to their region and establishes reporting requirements applicable to the task force. The California Indian Educational Task Forces are encouraged to discuss issues of mutual concern and to work to do the following. Develop a thorough, shared understanding of accurate, high-quality curricular materials about the history, culture, and government of local tribes. And develop curricular materials to use within local educational agencies that include tribal experiences and perspectives, and teach about the history, culture, and government of local tribes. Support events that honor American Indian culture, celebrate the legacy and the truth. Last year, December 2021, Sota High School did what no other school site has ever done. They held the first ever Native American Heritage Day that would not have been made possible had it not been for student-led efforts. It took the students and their courage to put that forth. Support our students. We're still here and we're always going to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And um, each speaker will have one minute. Uh, Mary Jean. I just wanted to say, first of all, that I want to thank all of the students who have been presenting tonight, all of them. It's very brave to get up here and, and present before uh, elders. And I also want to say that all of us have a responsibility to remember that the First Nations people, the first people of this land, are still here. And one of the main goals of the PAC and everything else is to make sure that teachers also are aware that we are still here, that we have a multinational group of students. We are not a race. We are citizens of our own individual nations. And that's got to be taught to everyone. Thank you.
Hello, everyone. My name is Poppy Gallegos-Sangrelli. I am a past SFUSD alum. I graduated in 2020. I'm also a native student. I'm a third year currently at the University of California, Berkeley. Um, I would not be at Berkeley today if it were not for the efforts of the Indian Education Program coming into my life at a very young age. Um, really put in perspective what it means to be, you know, an urban native woman giving us cultural opportunities, abilities to, you know, be in contact with cultural activities, beading, art making. The programming that Indian Ed does is very important and as also the um, Indigenous and Native Coalition at Berkeley's K-12 Recruitment Coordinator, I have been in contact with Indian Ed about um, coordinating more programming uh, since the Native Heritage Celebration where we brought an artist uh, to perform, Mato Waiwi of Reservation Dogs. Um, it's just such a cool event to come and see indigenous youth and non-indigenous youth interacting, interacting and knowing that yes, we are still here. Um, thank you. Uh, hello, my name is Rodin Hartzell. Uh I'm just here to talk to you about the clearly and blatantly racist murals that have been displayed on the George Washington High School. Um, I have not in person seen these murals, but I've seen pictures of them, and I am shocked that they are still there because, I don't know, maybe it's naive, but I thought as a society we'd reached a point where we could recognize racism and not only refuse to take action, but undo action that was already being taken. So I would just like you to think about that. Thank you. Hello, I'm a current senior at Ruth Asala School of the Arts, and I would like to further address the murals at George Washington High School. The murals are incredibly offensive and dehumanizing. They display horrific and traumatizing images that create a hostile environment for black and Native American students. The murals glorify Washington and white colonizers in positions of power while putting down students of color. The board's decision to overturn their promise of removing or covering the murals prioritized money over the best interests of their students. How can you uplift black and native students at a school that showcases their dead and enslaved ancestors on the walls? I'm lucky in that my high school, Soda, holds school-wide cultural summits. This year I founded the Indigenous and Multicultural Club to create a safe space for students of color and to stand up for issues that we face, including the racist murals. When I imagine the inclusive and diverse programming that we have at Soda, at existing at other schools in the district, I cannot possibly imagine it being taken seriously at Washington High School when these racist murals sit proudly on their walls. These murals counter everything that we as students of color are fighting to accomplish and they must be taken down. Thank you. That concludes our in-person public comment. Uh, please raise your hand if you care to speak to this presentation. Each speaker will have one minute. I will call speakers in groups of three. Can we please have it repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches. Por favor, levante la mano si desea añadir un comentario público de la última presentación. Vamos a tener eh, un minuto para cada hablante. Gracias. 各位好,如果想就住呢個華盛頓高中的 
Malia, Miss Marshall, and Miss B. Again, that's Malia, Miss Marshall, and Miss B. Malia, go ahead, please. Hello, my name is Malia Marinchek. I'm a senior at Luther's Thomas School of the Arts. I wanted to express my support for the Indian Education Program. I specifically am thankful for the students that have made it possible for the Native American Heritage Summit to exist at my school. I hope that this kind of programming is expanded to other schools within the district. It has been invaluable to see what a diverse um, community the indigenous community is. And I wish that it was taught in our curriculum and that students would not have to take the onus to share their culture with others. And I would also like to advocate for the removal of the mur murals at George Washington High School. I think of the murals that exist at Uthasawa School of the Arts, which are colorful and express artistic creativity. My heart goes out to students who have to walk by horrific imagery every day. That does not create a, a welcoming and conducive environment to learning. I think there is a way to teach history without using and platforming white supremacist imagery. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Marshall? Yes, uh, thank you so much. Again, I want to commend my former colleagues in the Department of A&E, uh, Indian Education. Thank you to the new director. Thank you to the old director, Paloma. Paloma, uh, the, the year that we created this program, your opening ceremony was phenomenal, spiritual. I can still see it. I can still feel it. And I thank each of you for the work that you are doing to reach our students. So I hope the public and the board will see that we have all these programs to help students who will get lost in the woodwork if we did not have these programs. It was my honor to serve on the committee to take down the Washington murals with you. And I'm sorry that board uh, retracted on what they were supposed to do. And I hope that they, the board will reconsider and take those murals down. Now, last, I want to commend the student, uh, students uh, today who spoke tonight. Excellent job. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Ashe, please continue the great work. Thank you. Miss B. Hello. Yes, Miss B. Yes, thank you. Um, I just wanted to appreciate and also acknowledge the tremendous emotional and physical labor enacted over so much time by these young people and elders um, asking for something for now decades and being promised it and having it taken away several times, particularly by a board that begins each meeting with a land acknowledgement. And my hope is that this board understands that a land acknowledgement without accompanying action in solidarity with native communities is deeply embarrassing and offensive. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes a virtual public comment for this item. Thank you so much. I'd like to open up for, to commissioners for questions, comments. Commissioner Hsu. Thank you. I personally was not here when all the discussions about the George Washington murals had gone on and the resolution was passed. Uh, but I was here to overturn or to drop the Washington murals. I, I like to um, just um, 
convey that it's good to hear directly from the students. It's good to hear directly from you all about your perspectives. And I also want to um, highlight that people know about the Washington murals, but maybe not many people know that the artist painted in the African American and Native American images as a way to challenge the glorification of General George Washington. Um, that the artist um, kind of subversively painted in those images so that is not all about the glorification of George Washington and and, uh, and trampling over the, the Native Americans and the African Americans. And I also wonder if people know that right next to the Life of Washington murals, which is in the main entrance hallway of Washington High School, right next to that, there are three response murals, each highlighting African Americans, Native Americans, and Asian Americans. That was painted by an artist in the 70s, I believe it was the 1970s, as a response to the George Washington murals next door. And they do celebrate the African Americans, the Native Americans, and the Asian Americans' contribution and their role in American history. So I would like people to know uh, some context of the mural itself and also some history and more recent history of the response. And I think it's very educational to have both of them up. If you take down the Washington murals, the response murals make no sense. I think it is an educational opportunity and we as a school district should really educate, take this opportunity to educate not just the uh, students, but all of the community about those murals. Commissioner Bogus. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your presentation. Um, really appreciated having you come, hearing the voices of the students and the families who are a part of our district, um, and really appreciate uh, bringing the recommendations and the concerns about what hasn't already been implemented, um, and, and just the importance to the community, to the students, to the families that the board take action. Um, I, I think I just also want to just um, just acknowledge like the pain um, that, that people are, are feeling from the murals and I think from the, the, the lack of representation um, and connectiveness that they see at their school sites for them and their communities and the nations that they represent. Um, and and just, just really want to, to figure out how we as a district can do better, understanding that we're struggling um, in a lot of areas when it comes to, 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 to student groups. I mean, really supporting them to be successful and seeing themselves in the district and just really want to be an ally and figure out how we can continue to make this a point of emphasis and um, really engage as we try to make these improvements as we move forward over the course of this school year um, so we don't have to keep waiting. I'd have you keep coming back and saying a lot of the same things um, that we've heard before. Um, so again, just thank you so much and a lot of appreciation. Um, and a lot of um, empathy for, for what you're experiencing and going through and, and, and really um, the, the struggles that students are having to deal with uh, in, in school buildings every day. Thank you. Commissioner Weissman-Ward. 
Thank you all for the presentation, especially thank you to the students who are here. I know that it is the last week before uh, holiday break and many of you are getting ready for finals, so thank you for taking the time. Um, I had a question that maybe is to you all, but maybe also to the superintendent. Um, one of the things that, I, you know, and this sort of the, one of the points that um, Vice President Bogus meant mentioned was lack of representation and so w one of the points made early on in the presentation was that the, 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 the data, certainly the high level data, but maybe not even the street level data, it's not disaggregated. And so I'm wondering what would it take for on our end us to understand what those numbers look like, not just for our student body, our student profile, but also um, our staff because we know representation matters. We know it matters to be able to be in a building and see um, educators that, that may have similar lived experiences or sim similar uh, familial experiences. And so I'm wondering what would it take for either HR or our data team to understand um, what our student profile in fact looks like so that we can be more intentional with um, how we're supporting your work and, and how we're supporting the work of the district. And if that would, I mean, if that, well, confirming that that would be helpful, because if it's not, of course, we wouldn't want to use resources. Thank you for asking that. And of course, we, this is a complicated question because there has been hundreds of years before us in which people have been removed from their land and tribes have been ended. This is by federal government, the same federal government that endorse these kind of murals that we know quite well about and we did quite a bit of study on the campus to see those other murals to understand what the, what the perspective was at that time and realizing that we're in a different time now. Just as the pioneer statue was taken down because of its inappropriateness, so should the mural and that's how we feel as native people. Now. Going back to the question about numbers, there are people who are recognized through tribal, tribal affiliations that are still recognized by the state government. And there are others who have not, that has been eliminated, such as what happened in Los Angeles and the Tongvin people, their rights and tribal nation taken away from them for consumeristic, capitalistic ideologies and practices. So this question isn't as easily answered as we would like to say, let's pull it out of the data, because a lot of people have lost those tribal um, names and groups, even though the people are still here. So when you hear us up here saying, we're still here, even though the tribal affiliations have been removed, we're still here. It's complicated. We have people self-identifying as Native American, Alaskan Native, but they don't have a tribal affiliation or number anymore. This is due to state and federal practices of removing Indian people from themselves. So I don't know how, if we wanna get into a longer discussion about this, it's not so easy, but we do have people who are self-identified and we have people who complete the 506 federal form who still have tribal names, affiliations, and numbers. Um, so the last we saw, we were 700 plus students self-identified in the city. And I know that Paloma and her, her organization at the city have a much larger count of native people in the city who were not previously counted for the things that I've shared with you previously. So um, yeah, we're happy to talk more about this. 
it's, it's been a process of removing the Indian, even from the Indian. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing your perspective. And, um, <clears throat> and just to understand, to, to clarify, because we want to make sure our students and our staff are seen and heard. You're asking about the data. Uh, so we do, we, you're asking about the, uh, when we share the data around different metrics that it's disaggregated for our students. So we do have disaggregated data by Native American and, uh, you know, for, for our Native American students on the achievement data. Um, I'm not sure on the staffing data. Yeah, I, that's why I was pulling it because we, we just released our report. There, yes, there are numbers. The numbers we are typically told the numbers are too small to be counted and so therefore not reported back to us. Because huh, I'm, I'm looking, uh, so let me definitely follow up on this because I had thought, I'm, I'm looking at the report we looked at, uh, the, the data report we um, shared from l last month in, in November where it's, uh, where we do report out on American Indian or Alaska Native. From the level of the district? Yeah. Okay, that would be great to see. Yeah, so we'll I, coordinate on that. I, I know in the past when I've looked at like achievement and outcome data, typically like the school site level, there is I think like total numbers that aren't for their population, the student enroll numbers at the school are below the numbers to report out and it just typically shows like an asterisk and stuff like that. So I don't know oh, if that okay. is maybe a little so bit maybe of we have enough. Statistically, ideas. what they say that, you know, the numbers aren't there to be counted. I, it's also privacy concerns when you have a really a small enough number that it, it would, by sharing it, it would identify those individuals is also part of the privacy. So maybe at the school level is um, uh, where we're talking, because we seem to have the district level level data. But we'll coordinate so, and, and see, because definitely, uh, again, um, one need to respect the regulations, and but more importantly, need to do what we can to make sure we're including folks who want to be part of the, need to be part of the conversation. Thank you, and I, I'm glad, Commissioner Weissman, where you raised about um, the data reporting, because similar to the uh, Asian American Pacific Islander communities, how important that disaggregation is, and um, I look forward to Superintendent um, report back around his meeting to be set up um, with uh, the team. A couple of the things that I, you know, recognize from the resolution that I will also be uh, following up with the superintendent and working with you all is around um, what the students had raised about the land acknowledgement at the elementary um, as well as the Native American Heritage Month and how we can incorporate that into our academic calendar. That is something that we've talked about as a board, how important it is to really be able to look um, the entire academic year and recognizing um, those cultural um, importance of our students and our communities. Commissioner, uh, student delegate. Can you yeah, so in the program successes slide on slide six, it mentions that last May um, they piloted the fourth grade curriculum and I'm just curious to know if we have a solid timeline for full scale implementation of that um, in all elementary schools. This is a question for the history team. This is, we're not a curriculum team. We're a student-based team here. Okay, let me uh, check in with the history team. Okay, thank you again so much um, for the presentation. Thank you so much for our students um, recognizing your, um, just in heading into finals and um, we really appreciate 
all of your work. We will now um, move to public comment on non-agenda items. I wanted to also acknowledge I didn't open it up because um, we've had public comment since then. Um, as a reminder, board rules of Californ and California law do not allow board members to discuss comments or attempt to answer questions during the public comment time. If appropriate, the superintendent will ask that staff follow up with speakers. Please refrain from identifying staff or students by name. And if you have a complaint about a district employee, we ask that you file a written complaint using the appropriate district um, complaint procedure. I also want to acknowledge um, that decorum in this boardroom is absolutely essential. As adults, we have to model behavior that we want to see from our students in the classroom. Our board upholds the highest expectation of civility and decorum at every meeting in order to facilitate constructive and respectful dialogue. Profanity, name calling, personal attacks, and other offensive language violate our shared community expectations for public meetings and causes harm. We ask our public speakers to be considerate and to keep in mind that our students and families are in audience. And I also want to publicly recognize I apologize. At our last board meeting, I did not set the tone, I did not express these principles and values. And that I also want to extend my apologies to Commissioner Shu because we had public commenters that break these norms. And as board president, it is absolutely important in board chair to be able to name and call out those behaviors as being unacceptable. So with that, now we will see if there is any public comment on non-agenda items. We do have in-person speakers for non-agenda items. Uh, I'd just like to name that we did receive um, one email, um, one public comment email. So for in-person, um, apologies if I'm not pronouncing this properly, um, Bayard Fong, Cody Naylor, Liana Louie, and Selena Chu. As a reminder, each speaker will have one minute. Uh, good evening, um, President Jenny Lamb, Vice President Bogus, and the rest of the school board members. Um, I'm actually a San Francisco native. Uh, great grandpa came here in 1905, uh, attended Galileo High School, I'm proud to, as well as attended City College, as well as Cal. Um, I wanted to take this time to thank, um, as I understand, um, Commissioner Hsu, this may be the, the last month with us, and I want to thank you for serving for the last nine months, our district and our students. Um, we, you know, we appreci I appreciate your valuing the school district's values of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And I want to encourage uh, the rest of the board to continue working as a group 
because we are one people, San Francisco. And as we work together to build and improve our school district for all our students. So I want to encourage that. And uh, again, uh, thank you for your service. Commissioner Shu. you will be missed. Hi, my name's Cody. My kid's a kindergartner at Chinese Immersion School, so I'm new here. Her school hasn't had a regular principal since October 5th. That's like two years of the school, two thirds of the school year so far. And now the regular principal is retiring abruptly. It seems like something's up. Have any other school leaders or critical admin staff left or taken extended absences this year? Please look into this. I really hope there's no obvious pattern. Um, at Chinese Immersion School, we need a principal. A lot of families are very interested in the selection process and will love to be a part of it. Thank you for your time and your attention. Um, so I just want to thank the um, President Jenny Lam for actually uh, announcing um, the um, the policy regarding public comment because uh, my child, which is eight-year-old, third grade, he heard what the person said. So that wasn't the first time and I appreciate that. So I'm here today. I wanted to, um, you know, uh, say thank you to um, Commissioner Ansu. This is her last meeting and congratulates to, um, I believe I saw Alita uh, Fisher. Um, so I wish going forward, um, there, w whenever there are resolutions or talks among commissioners, please use data and um, uh, uh, evidence to support your resolutions, less of more um, assumption, because we have seen a lot of assumption in the past couple years, and it just creates a lot of frustration because parents uh, and students, families will discover, you know, the data and the information that wasn't told to us. And it, it just, it's just, it, you have lost the trust and we want to, we want you to re-earn our trust. Thank you. Hi, good evening. My name is Leanna Louie and uh, it, I'm still hearing that there's a lot of payroll problems. I'm glad that you are working diligently on it and hopefully that will be resolved because uh, people who work deserve to be paid. Um, and the second thing I want to talk about is uh, I just want to say some words of gratitude for Commissioner Anshu for your hard work uh, while, while you're a school board member. And um, yeah, I just want to say thank you and, and I really, really appreciate your hard work. Um, we'll move on to virtual public comment. Each speaker will have one minute to comment on non-agenda items. Please raise your hand if you care to share uh, your comment. And can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches, por favor levante su mano si quiere añadir un comentario público. Este comentario público es para las para las eh, comentarios que no están en la agenda. Gracias. 如果大家想就住今日日議程上面沒有的東西去發表公眾發言的話,現在可以舉手,沒有人一分鐘時間去講的,不該。
Thank you. So I will call uh, people in groups of four. So Ms. Ms. Marshall, Charles, Jenny, and David. Again, that's Ms. Marshall, Charles, Jenny, and David. Uh, thank, thank you so much. I just want to commence uh, some community leaders for providing excellent uh, support services for our students over the weekend. I want to commend the African American Art and Culture Complex, Ella Hill Hutch, and this coming Thursday at the, at the uh, Baby, uh, Baby Opera House. They have a fantastic winter wonderland for our students. At, Ella, at, uh, Baby, at, at the Culture Center, they had all kinds of things for our students to engage themselves in, including a choo-choo train. I even participated in some of the activities with the students. And this coming Thursday, I used to always enjoy watching the kids from Baby Hunters Corner Walk run down the hill to the opera house and play in the snow. So we want to commend these community-based organizations for going the extra step for our students. And when I was on the uh, mural for uh, on the committee for Washington mural, Commissioner Sue, your comments are not completely uh, correct. Uh, it's like saying to me, slavery was okay and it was not. So we met the people who did the mural, uh, the other murals at Washington. We got the real truth and you did not give us the real truth. Thank you so much. Thank you. Charles. Hello. Um, I would like to uh, appreciate all the language around transparency. Um, and in that vein, I would like to ask SFUSD to make a searchable database by school or a spreadsheet that will have all the most recent lead testing done at all the SFUSD sites, including water testing. This will help alleviate public concern. To think that lead exposure, which can cause serious intellectual and physical problems, including um, damage to the brain and the nervous system, slowed growth and development, and learning and behavior problems and hearing and speech problems, to think that that poison would be present at, at a school that we trust our children to is appalling. Please provide the information easily for the public. If you want to rebuild trust, this would be a start. And trust is at an all-time low. Um, and, you know, the SF standard reported that lead was in the school drinking water also. Please deal with this abruptly. Thank you. Thank you. Jenny? Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. All right, great. Hi, my name is Jenny Pritchett, and I am a parent at Buena Vista Horace Mann. My son is five years old and in kindergarten. In the short time he's been in the San Francisco Unified School District, both the soil that he plays in and the water that he drinks have been tested positive for unacceptable le levels of lead. Um, I left work early today to help the school tape off all the water fountains. And I have to tell you that although I am a practical person and initially I thought, well, this is just something that needs to be done. The act of bagging up the water fountains in front of the kindergartners with the garden behind me surrounded by hurricane fencing really got to me. As I'm sure you can agree, this is unacceptable for any school site. I am very grateful for how quickly the district and Superintendent Wayne are moving on this. Thank you for opening the meeting with this. And if there's any doubt that safe and clean facilities and water at Buena Vista Horace Mann is a priority, I am here to support the emergency resolution. 
I am very encouraged at the suggestion to complete remediation over the winter break. It seems like there's a plan already in place to remove the soil and place it. I'm sorry to have to interrupt you. That is your time. Thank you. Thank you. David. Hello, good evening, everyone. Uh, Superintendent board members, um, David Lanham with the Department of Technology, also shop steward for Local 21 Protect. And um, I'm here to comment on our recently uh, ratified contract with the district. It's been, it's been months since we finished, finalized it and it's been approved, but nothing has been done in terms of administration acting on it and fulfilling uh, their end of it. I know all the unions are in process at some stage of fulfillment of their contracts and renewal. And we're not in competition with them. We're in unity with them. But one of the things that's a problem with our union is that there has been no communication from administration until recently. I mean, no one has replied to our leadership's request for communication. And that leads to low morale and, and just loss of faith. So I'm asking the board and superintendent to please follow through with what they promised and agreed with, with us on and help restore the communication and faith that we have in SFUSD and its leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'll call the next group. It's gonna be Meredith, Todd, Betty, and student. Again, Meredith, Todd, Betty, and student. Meredith, go ahead, please. Hi, this is Meredith Dodson with the San Francisco Parent Coalition. Thanks for taking my comment. Um, there's a, a quite a long packed agenda tonight. Um, and also parents couldn't help but notice that topics directly related to student learning, student outcomes, and the new Board of Education vision plan are mostly lacking from the agenda. We know later in the evening you'll be hearing the first interim budget report. What we don't see, but we're curious about, is how we're adjusting our budget based on our new commitments to our students in math, literacy, and career and college readiness. Um, our district is committing to a major literacy overhaul, and thank you for that. But how will the parent community be assured that our new goals and these big plans will be reflected in our district budgeting and decision-making processes? We're well aware that SFUSD is still deficit spending. We encourage you to fix that. And um, at every meeting, prioritize a conversation about student outcomes and how our budget is matching up. Thank you. Thank you. Todd. Good evening. My name is Todd Albert. I'm a science teacher at Buena Vista Horace Mann. I am just so appalled at how unacceptable this is. I am across the hall from one of the water fountains that tested positive for lead. And I watched dozens of students drink from it daily. Lead is harmful even at low levels, causing hearing loss, anemia, kidney impairment, and stunted growth. Three of 11 of our fountains are tested positive for lead and we need to fix this. A first grade student asked me today why they could not play in the garden. I did not have the heart to tell him that it was not safe, but I said, because you're getting it ready for him. So please fix this as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Betty. Hi, good evening, everyone. My name is Betty Hunter. I'm an alum and as well as a parent of SFUSD. 
Um, I didn't get to speak at the end of comment um, for the last agenda item. And so I just wanted to say that um, I'm in support of the ass of the American um, Indian PAC, as well as um, in support of the work that they've done. I just want to congratulate them and the students on all that they have contributed and ask that the mural be taken down at George Washington. I actually have seen it in person um, in the past and recently. Um, and so I think that this is really I think that this is really important for all of our students and um, hope that the board will go ahead and change their mind, especially because people's feelings do matter. Um, also, I would like to say that uh, SFUSD's website has been hard to navigate to find data and things of that nature. Um, and is there any way that that can be fixed or made um, more comprehensive for everyone? Thank you. Thank you. Student. Uh, so, my name is Chitaba, and I don't like how um the water has poison in it, and and I don't like how the gardens grow because because the garden is my favorite play, and um and I love it because usually I either red raspberries there and my favorite because there's plants there and their little plant houses that I go under. Just the garden is my favorite. <laughs> the garden is my favorite because it's my favorite and there's so much stuff to look on it and there's, and there's animals in there that we get to look at. And also, unless you know that kind of fun in the garden and, and I want and I want the bad story. I want the bad um, little thing that that's in the story or get out so I can play back in the garden. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, Brianda, Sam, Eric. Mary and Bernice is the next group. Again, Rianda, Sam, Eric, Mary, and Bernice. Rianda? Rianda? Sam? Hello. I just want to say one minute isn't long enough to say what I need to say. I got a call today from my principal that my child was identified as one of three children in an RSP class that was drinking pretty much a lot every day from a faucet that was tainted with lead. That is a phone call I got today. They never would have tested the water if it weren't for us families and teachers and staff demanding the district test the water at the SSC meeting. I am so angry 
my child, both my children had to be tested for lead to date blood tests, not provided by the city, not provided by the district. That's ridiculous. That is not a public health response to a potential mass poisoning. Arsenic in the ground and lead in the ground should automatically cause water testing. And y'all avoid systematic data collection and testing of the air, water, soil of all of your facilities. It is avoidance. Avoidance. Shame. Thank you. Eric? Hello, my name is Eric. Uh, good evening to the board. And like a previous speaker, I'd like to revisit one of the previous agenda pieces, as I think I was skipped over. But for my allotted time, for my public comment, I would like to highlight the commitment that is demonstrated by Indigenous students and the Indian Education Program. Just this past month, I attended the Native Heritage Celebration, which was hosted at Sanchez Elementary School on November 5th. As an Indigenous Mexican person, I find it crucial to continue promoting celebration and the education of all Indigenous cultures, especially during Native Heritage Month. And that was extremely evident during the celebration as the event was welcoming to all community members in San Francisco from various backgrounds, Native and non-Native. Moving into the future, I would hope to see more support by the SFUSD uh, for the Indian Education Program to continue pursuing projects across district sites and campuses like the Native Heritage Celebration. Thank you. Thank you. Mary? Mary? Good evening. Yes, good evening. I attempted to uh, speak on the last issue for Indian Ed. My name's Mary Travis Allen. I'm the advisory board president for the American Indian Cultural District. I want to say I'm in absolute awe of the presentation that was given, but I need to respond to the remarks that was made afterwards in defense of the decision for the murals that was inappropriate after the presentation. It was demeaning to the presentation. It was disregard for what was expressed by a community. And to have that response made, it was defense of a decision that was made. It was most inappropriate. And when we talk about conduct, that should be put on point two. Uplift the community, support the community is what we have been endeavoring to do. Thank you. Thank you. Bernice. Good evening. My name is Bernice Casey. I'm a parent of two children at the San Francisco Unified School District. One's a graduated BVHM and one still attends. Uh, Superintendent Wayne, it was very disingenuous of you to start your meeting talking about what the district has done for Buena Vista Horace Mann. Today, the district circulated a memo after the testing saying, SFPUC testing did not return any concerning results, which is not true. It's also not true that this district responded to our facility complaints. That is absolutely not true. We came to your board, we complained through Williams. It wasn't until Mission Local published 
shaming photographs that the district responded. It's also not true that the district did inspections. Those inspections were based on advocacy by Supervisor Hillary Ronan. So just like the previous speaker talking about truth, it is disingenuine for you as a board to say you are helping this community when you're not. You should start by saying what you don't do before parents like me will believe that you actually care about the children on this side of the city. Thank you. Okay, the next group is Aline, Monica, Bivette, and M. Aline. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Great. Um, so hi, my name is Aline and I'm a parent of a kindergartner in uh, the school district. I'm concerned with how much time we've spent in this meeting talking about topics unrelated to educational outcomes of students. With a projected decrease in 8% enrollment, what are we doing to focus more on student learning and teacher retention? Finally, I want to extend my gratitude to Commissioner Ann Sue. Thank you for being focused on student outcomes. Your leadership will be sorely missed. Thank you. Monica. Hi, my name is Monica Mendoza. I am a fifth grade teacher at Buena Vista, Horace Mann. And I want to emphasize the importance of providing a mobile clinic on site at our school so that members of the community can be tested for lead, um, lead poisoning. It is unacceptable that it took the pressure that we and the parents, parents and staff have been pushing for a response um, for anything to be done with regards to testing the water after finding lead and arsenic in the soil. And then um, thankfully they are providing w bottled water However, that is just a band-aid on a much larger issue, and I look forward to seeing the water getting fixed and hopefully soon a mobile clinic so that community members can be tested. Thank you. Vivette? Hello, everyone. I'm here tonight in solidarity with the um, indigenous people's um, presentation. Number one, I'd like to echo the sentiments that um, this board continues to let certain communities commit racial violence against others by making disparaging comments. This is not the first time a community has been attacked and this board has failed to address that, especially our um, President Jenny Lamb, who said that this was not supposed to be tolerated behavior, but it seems that there's certain communities which remain constant targets of these types of rhetoric while other communities are supported and protected. It's disgusting. Secondly, I'd just like to say we wouldn't even be dealing with the Bayview Horseman, um, Buena Vista Horseman issues and issues at other schools across the district on the southeast side if this district had actually um, monitored the CBOC and ensured that the bond money was spent correctly. Um, Buena Vista Horse Man was one of the schools that were actually supposed to be repaired in the 2016 bond, along with Malcolm X and a bunch of other schools who are having similar issues. And I think that this board needs to stop letting people call in and make this fake rhetoric about student outcomes when we're talking about the safety and health of students. 
if students are not safe or health at their primary school, they cannot learn when they are getting diseases because of arsenic and other things happening. This is a this is where students are, this is where just are failing students and their parents. Thank you. M? Hi, uh, my name is M. I am the co-chair, the vice co-chair for the Parent Advisory Council, not committee. Some. SFUSD staff so far keep calling us the Parent Advisory Committee, but I want to remind everyone we're the Parent Advisory Council. Um, with that, I want to also make a comment about Commissioner Sue's, um, I guess, explanation. I'm not really sure what to call what the remarks are um, other than a basically offensive. Um, when I was on the Reflection and Action Committee, we did so much research. We had so many meetings of talking about the George Washington life of Washington murals. And the reason why we came to the conclusion that they should be painted down is because from the months long of research that we did. Um, and so I hear what you're saying, Commissioner Sue, but it is also extremely offensive because you are talking to people who are here on this call or who are there in person who've done the research. We know all about the response murals and the other murals and this murals and that murals. So please remember to hold that um, wisdom that people already have around that and that knowledge and to also just to remind the other commissioners who are actually still left and will be in their positions that when will you finally listen to the students? It's been decades ever since um, MLK has died that students at George Washington High School have said paint it down. Thank you. And I'm sorry to have to cut you off. That is your time. Thank you. Thank you. The next group, Rianda, Jasenia, and Gail. Rianda? Okay, apologies for the um, discontinue or disconnection earlier. But good evening, everyone. I'm speaking tonight as a mom. I stand with the Indian Ed Pack. While it is admirable to do the land acknowledgement before every meeting, I believe if we truly seek to honor the Native American people, it's time to correct the wrong that's staining George Washington High School. Having a mural with the negative depictions of Native American and African American people is disgusting and shouldn't be allowed in SFUSD. Our students are amazing and more than capable of Googling if they want to learn history. These dehumanizing murals are not needed to remind students of the same associated with this country. We have to do better. Listen to current students and families and please honor the request to have the murals removed. Thank you. Thank you. Gail? Hi, my name is Gail Eigel, and I've been at the Buena Vista Horace Mann site for 21 years, almost 22. Um, and I initially was just going to call about the abhorrent conditions at our school, the fact that the water wasn't tested. But I want to address the comments by the people talking about student outcomes and saying that nothing in the agenda so far had been about student outcomes. If students have lead poisoning, how will their testing be? How will their tests be, their academic tests? And I just also wanna say that academic testing is not the only measure of student outcomes, nor is certain kinds of curriculum. The wonderful 
programs put on by the indigenous peoples groups, the, the students, that is good for student outcome, as well as um, the, um, in the immigrant uh, migrant program. Super, super important for student outcomes. Um, thank you. Thank you. That concludes a public virtual public comment for this item. Thank you. We're heading into our third hour of our meeting. Um, so at this time, I think we had heard from students. I don't see any other students in the audience in person. So I just want to do one last call for students, but I want to acknowledge we also had um, students speak earlier this evening. Uh, if you're a student and you care to share a public comment and you're participating online, please raise your hand. Seeing no hands raised, President Lynn. Okay, thank you. We will now go to um, agenda item J for action items. 22-12-13-SP2, um, fiscal year 22-23, first interim report, positive fiscal certification for SFUSD and County Office of Education. I'd like to ask for a motion and a second. So moved. Second. I'd like to call upon uh, Dr. Wayne. Um, so uh, just first of all, I want to say we do have uh, Anne-Marie Gordon on, correct? Okay. Uh, good evening again, uh, Board of Education. Um, so we are presenting our first interim report. This is a required report um, that we submit every year to the state. Uh, and it is one in a series of reports we do on our budget uh, throughout the year. So what, what the budget is approved by uh, the Board of Education in June. And then there's a, uh, we did a fall revise this year because we received additional revenue. And this is the first time uh, uh, where we check on how we're doing uh, and looking at our revenue, uh, um, how our revenue assumptions compared when we adopted the budget to where they are now and how our expenditures um, are. And we have to provide a certification of whether we have a positive certification, meaning we can meet our obligations, a qualified, meaning there's concerns in meeting our obligations, or a negative certification. And so we are submitting a positive certification, um, and but there are aspects of our budget to be aware of. And so um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Anne-Marie Gordon, uh, our interim head financial officer, to present the first interim report. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. Um, can I just confirm that you all can hear me okay? Yep. Yes, Henry, we can hear you. Thank you. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, as Dr. Wayne said, I'm Anne-Marie Gordon. I am our interim head financial officer. And this evening we'll be going through uh, a review of both our county and district uh, first interim financial reports. Uh, I'll be speaking to the highlights, um, major changes, and takeaways as we move forward and start looking towards our budget development process for the upcoming school year. Next slide, please. So as Dr. Wayne shared, this is the first of two interim reports, um, part of our annual uh, reporting requirements. And our interim reports one, one in December and one in March uh, 
report identified changes to revenues, expenditures, and fund balances, and also provide multi-year projections for the following two fiscal years. Uh, the first interim period focuses on July to October of the school year. And so the focus of first interim in most cases uh, is changes to revenue and budget. Um, since it's relatively early in the school year to see notable expenditure trends. Um, as I go through this, I do want to note in advance that, um, that for anyone who's looking at the first interim report and the budget forms, you'll see that the expenditures are, are very low. And that is uh, because one of our symptoms of uh, implementation of Empower SF has been a learning curve for how to post our payroll expenditures uh, in basically on a monthly basis as payroll is processed. And so we did receive a confirmation from CDE that we could report our first interim without having that data fully available, but we will be uh, prioritizing getting payroll expenditures posted uh, for our second interim report. And as Dr. Williams said, as well in the introduction, that of the there are three possible certifications and for first interim this year, for both the county and the districts, um, we are bringing forward a positive certification, meaning that we will be anticipate being able to meet our financial obligations this year and in the coming years. Next slide. So I will begin with the San Francisco County Office of Education. Um, this is one of the steps that we uh, that we made to presentations last year was to differentiate between our county and district reports to make sure that our obligation to both is clear. And so for the county, we are bringing forward a positive certification. Next slide. You'll see over throughout the slide deck a number of tables. Um, they're all formatted uh, like this, uh, where they go through our kind of the different steps of how we do the math to see how we're looking in terms of our budget um, and expenditures over the course of the year. So looking at this, um, I for, for this report, I compared to our adopted budget in June. And so starting at the top with the beginning fund balance, that is our, right, our funds that are available from all prior years accumulated when we start the year, uh, you can see that for the county, we have an improved beginning fund balance compared to our original estimate. Um, this, come, this data comes from our unaudited actuals. Looking at the revenues Sorry. and expenditures, um, there are really only minor updates um, compared to the adopted budget. And some of that has to do with loading carryover funds that are confirmed available for us to, um, to use in the current year. One note, if you're looking at the county budget compared to prior years, is that uh, in continuing to strive to differentiate between our county and district functions, um, we have increased our county budget to, uh, to better reflect our responsibilities as a county office. And so our payroll department and legal departments are now part of the county office 
uh, budget. And one final note here, um, in the net surplus or shortfall column, section, uh, row D, you can see that uh, we are deficit spending in our county budget. Um, you'll see, we'll talk about this with the district as well, but that because we start off in a better place this year, we anticipate um, ending in a better place uh, despite the deficit spending. Next slide, please. So here we have our multi-year projections. The uh, column highlighted in yellow is the same column that you saw on the previous slide. And so the format here is the same, but showing our projections over the next two years. You'll see as you go through that our, uh, our projection is that we will remain balanced uh, over the next two years, but deficit spending does mean that we are drawing down our fund balance. We are using the funds that we have available. And so we end up balanced, um, but really with, with no room to spare uh, in the next two years, should our revenue and expenditures um, grow modestly over that time. Next slide, thank you. Um, so now we'll move on to the districts. And what you'll see as we, as we move forward is really similar patterns, um, but our district, our district budget, our district general fund is much larger than the county. And so the numbers are, are much bigger, but the patterns in, and our practices really, really are quite similar. So here you see the district unrestricted general funds um, the first interim budget highlighted compared to the adopted budget from June. And you'll see again, starting at the top, um, that we have an improved beginning fund balance, uh, of about $9 million and $9 million improvement from what we anticipated. As we look at revenues and expenditures, you can see that our revenue uh, does represent a significant increase uh, from our local control funding formula projections. That said, the $40 million increase in revenue has been offset by a $40 million increase in our budget. Uh, and this is primarily based on negotiated salary increases with our labor partners, um, support from with consultants for Empower SF, uh, most notably A&M, and in addition to that, um, temporary staffing support to address uh, ad additional staffing needs and ongoing vacancies. Oh, almost done. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Sorry, sorry. Um, so as you look, one note here on that uh, net surplus line is that that is just looking within the current year. So that $22 million in red is, um, is deficit spending in the current year without accounting for our fund balance. So then down at the bottom in that final section, you can see that we do have an ending fund balance, uh, which consists of non-spendable stores items, our rainy day reserve that we replenished um, from our 
Prop G litigation, a budget stabilization reserve, which um, we'll see is going to help us over the next couple of years. And then our, our um, reserve for economic uncertainties, which is a, a required aspect of all of our financial planning. And then that $8 million at the, at the very bottom is really the result of a stronger starting fund balance than we anticipated. Next slide. This slide now is uh, taking a step back and looking at the combination of our unrestricted and restricted general fund resources. So this is all resources that are part of our district general fund. When you incorporate our restricted general fund into the picture, um, things do look better and slightly more stable. Um, this is partially due to the fact that not all of our restricted revenue uh, changes based on declining enrollment in the way that the majority of our unrestricted general fund calculations uh, or forecast is, is developed. We do have to be very cautious and, and, and deliberate in how we plan for restricted funding because it is restricted. And so we have to make sure that we are abiding by requirements and understanding how the funds are intended to be used. Uh, that said, uh, state block grants, new local measures, and now other sources of short-term funding do present a new opportunity for SFUSD over the next couple of years for planning and prioritization to make sure that we are fully tapping into all of the funding sources that we have available to us. Next slide. For our multi-year projections, um, this is the second to last table. Um, we are going back to only looking at the unrestricted general funds. Looking at the trend from first interim out over the next two years, you'll see that our fund balance will be drawn down. So that beginning fund balance line uh, lessens each year. Our revenue forecast right now is, is pretty flat um, because we still are experiencing declining enrollment and there is uncertainty around the forecast for the state budget moving forward. Our expenditure growth here is projected to be modest, really only growing for step and column increases and cost of living adjustments. So really basic, really basic increases that we would anticipate um, year over year. And again, if you look down at the bottom, actually we can go to the next slide. Uh, down at the bottom here, you can see that similar to the county, the district is projected to remain balanced, uh, but where that budget stabilization reserve was established to help avoid severe budget balancing measures and reductions in a short time frame, over the course of the next several years, we anticipate drawing down that reserve um, to a point where 
we'll need to be really thinking carefully about how we will balance our budget year over year and looking forward. Next slide. So wrapping up here, um, the major takeaways are that we are recommending that positive certification that we're in a position where over the next two years we do, we do meet our financial obligations. Um, part of that due to the fact that we, we began the year in a stronger position than we anticipated. Where our revenues have come in higher, we have matched that with higher budgeted expenditures. And we have continued our pattern of deficit spending. And so though our fiscal outlook is positive, we do continue to spend more than we generate across all of our sources. Next slide. So looking forward from here, in January, in the middle of January, the governor will share a preliminary state budget for next year. And that provides a first look at California's budget forecast, which informs SFUSD's budget forecast. In the short term, our um, state block grants, newly, newly approved local and state measures do provide one-time funding for us to consider emergent and unaddressed priorities. But beyond that, and as we move forward, again, recognizing that there is a bit more stability in, in our restricted funding and acknowledging our pattern of deficit spending, there's a medium and long-term opportunity to really think about how we are allocating resources um, to ensure that we are focusing on our students, the supports that they need, and balancing our budget in a way that meets our financial obligations as well. So with that, I uh, conclude my presentation and um, look forward to your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I'd like to open for Oh, before I go there, before I open to public comment, I wanted to ask for a motion and a second on the interim, uh, interim first interim report positive fiscal certification. So moved. Second. Thank you. I'm all, dis I'm all discombobulated this evening. Um, and so I will now open for public comment. We don't have any um, in person, but we did receive two emails um, this afternoon. And then moving on to virtual public comment, um, please raise your hand if you care to share a public comment on this uh, interim report. You will have one minute to speak. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches, por favor levante su mano si desea añadir un comentario público. Los comentarios públicos solo son de un minuto. Gracias. Thank you. 如果你想就住呢一個暫時嘅報告呢,最有公眾發言的話呢,臨時報告,sorry,咁你而家可以舉手發言啦,每人有一分鐘嘅時間嘅,唔該。
Thank you. So Meredith, Vivette, and Charles. Again, I'll be Meredith, Vivette, and Charles. Meredith, go ahead, please. Thank you. This is Meredith Dodson again with the San Francisco Parent Coalition. Um, so first, I just want to reiterate oh, and thank you um, for this report and um, for the information that you're sharing here tonight with the community. First, I would just want to reiterate our concern about the deficit spending that we're continuing at SFUSD. It's really troublesome to see and I hope we can start to address that. Um, we know that these state and federal funds are not going to just continue on forever. Um, and also, um, we're seeing that we still have no fiscal reserve. Um, I'm not a fiscal expert, but I think we've seen um, information out there that best practices are for districts to maintain a minimum of 5% reserve. Um, so there's that. And then also um, in the presentation, um, the, Anne Marie Gordon mentioned the short term opportunities to, of the one time funds for emergent and unaddressed priorities. Given that literacy, math, college and career readiness have been identified as board priorities, wondering if some of these um, one-time funds can be used for the math tutoring, the literacy tutoring, and other urgent needs that our students have still you know, coming out of the distance learning and the pandemic, and there are so many needs that our students Thank have. Thank you, Meredith. I'm sorry to have to interrupt you. That is your time. No problem. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, so um, I have several concerns. My number one concern continues to be um, this now almost bloated to $10 million contract with um, M&A um, for payroll services. Um, being that this company is one that tends to put districts in headlocks and strength and lengthens out their contracts for decades at a time, um, I think it's concerning to me on what is going to be the final solution for the payroll situation. And if we are going to have to keep a $10 million contract with a contractor while we're deficit spending, that's a really big concern for me because that money really should be spent and is being taken away from our reserves that we should be using to hire teachers, to staff, and to be able to deliver programs to our students who are in need. And so while um, I know that you guys continue to say that we're starting off the district at a strong point, that a strong point is only because we failed to do hiring and that there's all of these open positions. So it's not kind of accurate to say that we're in a strong position starting off this district when we're actually only in a strong position because of the deficit that is being experienced in the Thank classroom. You, and I'm the so and sorry I have to cut you off. That is your time. Thank you. Charles? Yes. Um, I also do not appreciate the continued deficit spending. It kicks it down the road and doesn't solve the structural deficit. Please be bold and reduce expenditures by shrinking the size of the district to match the enrollment. How many under-enrolled schools do we need? As far as the state budget goes, there will most likely be a recession in the next one to two years. So we, so we should expect a reduction in those funds. Where is the money for raises for teachers and other school workers? There seems to be only minimal increases included in this budget. Please, we need to restructure the district boldly so that we can find funds to actually 
pay people appropriately. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and next I will call um, Shelly and then Miss Marshall. Shelly, go ahead, please. Pardon me, my mouse is slow. Uh, thank you so much for your presentation, Ms. Gordon. I have only one question, and that is when discussing increased in expenditures, when mentioning uh, temporary or substitute workers for our staffing deficit, when we have a staffing deficit, that means that person's salary becomes available for the sub. It concerns me greatly that we're paying subs a considerable amount of more than we would have paid the existing permanent employees. Perhaps at some point uh, we could have some more clarification on this item. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ms. Marshall? Thank you for the report. Uh, my concerns uh, would be like some of the other speakers. I'm still at awe about this $10 million for this uh, payroll system is not working. I suppose it's too late to get out of the contract. I, I just, I don't understand it. And then for the public, it would be good to hear, since we are a unique city and county, what, what items are spent through, for the, through the county and what are spent through, through the city uh, for, the, uh, for the school district. Because it's kind of, I don't, I, don't, I, don't know what that, I don't know what they are. And it would be nice, it would be nice to hear that. And where is the county office? Is it 55 Franklin? And what do they do? So I know we are, that we are one of the few unique cities in the whole country. It would be nice to have that, uh, that clarification. Thank you. Thank you. Aline? Hi, this is Aline again, uh, parent of SFUSD kindergartner. I want to re reiterate my earlier point on focusing on student outcomes. If we can educate our students to be college and career ready and rebuild trust in families, then we can start bringing families back into the district. Without attracting and retaining families, we will continue to be in this problem of deficit spending, and eventually there will be no rainy day fund left. SFUSD education is a product. We need to think about how to get customers to buy our product, or else they will go to our competitors, private schools, and other districts. Thank you. Thank you. President Landak concludes virtual public comment for this item. Thank you. I'd like to open up to commissioners for questions, comments. Commissioner Alexander. Thank you. I want to ask about um, restricted funds. Um, I, and I think I raised this before, but I think it's confusing when we have w the, the reports kind of go back and forth between the unrestricted general fund and then all of our funds. And I just think we need to be really. Um, I, I think they. I think we should see both, right? I understand the unrestricted general fund is a particular, particularly important piece of our budget, but the whole budget is much bigger than that. And um, so, so there's no multi-year projections for the whole budget, which I think is confusing. But I guess my specific question right now is why was there such a big increase in restricted fund balance? We went from 117 million in the adopted budget of a projected restricted fund balance at the end of the year to almost 170 million. So again, I, I, and I just think, and we haven't had, a, I think the board also needs to understand what those restricted funds are 
and why, so why are we getting 50 million more dollars, more than 50 million more dollars and then, and not spending it this year? Does that make sense? My question? Yes, yes, and I can, I can speak to it in part. Um, so I believe from the unaudited actuals, um, one, there's, there's one component that is in general spending less than we anticipated spending. That does not account for the full $50 million, um, but that is one contributing factor. Another is um, really due to the fact that as we receive uh, some of our restricted funds, especially some of our short-term but multi-year funds like federal stimulus funds or the learning recovery dollars that we first received beginning in uh, the spring of 2021, we received those in one, sometimes in one apportionment that then we use over several years. And so as we intend to spread our funds over a couple of years, it means that they, 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 they stay in the fund balance until we have programmed them out. Uh, and one specific example there is uh, as we were developing our learning recovery plan, we received a combination of state and federal resources. And the strategy we decided to use was to spend our state dollars first because they expired first and hold on to the federal dollars to be able to spread those over the full duration of the grant period, which goes for another couple of years. So again, it, that doesn't answer the, you know, that, that, is one, that is one factor of the, really the timing of when we receive funds and how we plan to use them over a multi-year period. So I think uh, that's really helpful. I think what would be useful moving forward so that we can, so the board can understand this, but also to be transparent with the public is to really account for those restricted funds. So if that's a decision we're making, that makes sense to spread them, but we need to be able to explain that in a transparent, way so that folks understand kind of what's happening here and then how it's aligned to our goals and being spent in accordance with our guardrails. And I think that, so as we move into budget development, I'd really like to ask that we do a much deeper dive on the restricted funds, um, please. We can do that. And Matt, I appreciate that, Commissioner Alexander. Plus one. Commissioner Tomini. Um, I just want to say, well, I want to start with a thank you to Anne-Marie Gordon. This is a real um, a step in the right direction. I can tell you've put in a lot of time and effort and the presentation was very clear uh, in conveying a lot of dense um, and complicated information. So thank you very much and thank you for working so closely with our um, fiscal as experts to get this to a place where we can have positive certification. Um, I do also want to raise that, um, you know, this is the first interim. Payroll hasn't posted, as you mentioned. We are deficit spending, as we've heard from public comment. It doesn't bring into labor contract negotiations and outcomes for certificated and classified salaries. Um, we anticipate more need for um, system improvements in the district, I think, and um, it also impacts our budget stabilization reserve three years out. There's some other areas around assumptions that I've 
questions about that I'm not expecting you to answer right now, but as we move forward, I just want to flag, um, and that's around enrollment and also in attendance um, and pension and retirement coverage. We, I also do want to, and some more appreciations first though. Um, I do really like the breaking out of the county operations and our um, local education agency operations to really start to clarify what those um, jobs are and what those responsibilities are so we can align ourselves as a district and better organize ourselves to conduct the work. I also want to appreciate the facilities master plan and how that affects our budgeting. Um, in preparation for this item, I went back to our FICMAC report that we received on March 3rd of last year, the financial health risk analysis where we were certified or identified as high risk. And there's a lot of items that um, I'd like to get clarification and updates on, especially as we come around the corner to it being a year since we received that report. And it will affect how we, um, our certainty around the budget and our understanding of things like unrestricted versus restricted and staffing ratios and whether or not we have fraud controls in place. So these are, I'm just putting a pin in a number. I know we're at first interim and I really do see the huge progress that's been made but I also want to be mindful that there's a lot of assumptions and behaviors and practices that are still um, present in our work that we need to be transparent about how we're addressing since they've been so clearly identified and we don't always, as much as we um, appreciate our Department of Education colleagues, that the, the purpose is we are supposed to get on our own footing and be responsive to the findings of the FITMAC report and also um, what our Department of Education experts are telling us. So with that, I don't know, Anne-Marie, if there's anything in there that you want to respond to regarding timing or awareness of these issues, you're welcome to, but you're also welcome to just listen to my monologue. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, I think I'll just, I'll just say that um, it was really helpful to start looking back at some of those findings from the fiscal health risk assessment and we can we can do more of a comprehensive review of some of those findings and the steps we have taken or where we still have limitations to address uh, some of them but I think that that will help us right as we as we're looking at our picture and thinking about what our plan will be moving forward um, really holding that closely and thinking about where we have been instructed to take steps. Um, to stabilize. Vice President Bogus. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask if Elliot or other folks from the state team wanted to add in or give any kind of perspective um, that would be kind of helpful or relevant for us to kind of understand how potentially the state or kind of other folks outside the district are um, kind of looking at where we're at right now in our steps uh, forward. I am more than willing to make comments, um, Vice President Bogus and President Lamb. I don't know if you want them before or after all of the commissioners 
have had an opportunity to speak either way. Well, Ellie, I was going to ask you the same questions, Vice President Bogus. So I think this is a great time. Okay. Well, for, first of all, I have to give a big, big thanks to Ms. Anne-Marie Gordon. She's just done a yeoman's job with this budget. And, and I have to say, um, sitting here, it's over a year that I've been sitting at these board meetings. And this is a much better outlook both in terms of the budget and in terms of um, where the board is at in looking at the budget and taking your deficit seriously. I <clears throat> share with um, Commissioner Motomedy, with uh, Ms. Gordon, and I'm sure with my um, cohort, Pamela Zahn, the concern about deficit spending. Um, there are two kinds of deficit spending. There's purposeful, where you're spending down some of the things like the um, un, like the restricted res, um, funds that Ms. Gordon was talking about, and that's a good thing. They come in big chunks sometimes in the years you don't want them, so you keep them and then spend them down in other years. But when you're spending down reserves because your budget is still more than your revenue on your ongoing operations, that still is a serious concern. You are meeting your fiscal obligations, but sooner or later that road ends and we don't like seeing the budget stabilization fund being eroded. There are a number of things that I would like to point back to the fiscal health reserve analysis, a risk analysis. And <clears throat> um, one of them is the, um, the deficit spending. The other is the lack of controls and procedures which we are all working on and hoping to get in place much clearer and much sooner. They're, they're necessary, they're um, urgent, and I think it will be difficult to balance the budget in the end without proper controls. The declining enrollment is a major issue, and I remember at the very first meeting I observed, I think before I was even assigned, I heard Ms. Gordon using the word true up. Well you are going to have to continue to true up your resources with your expenditures. And that includes staffing resources. And hopefully, it's not a blessing to be understaffed, but it might help truing up the staff to the actual number of children enrolled. So I, that's going to have to be something that is interdepartmental in the district and looked at very carefully. The other thing is, um, while I see the board as much more stable than it was, uh, I want to thank um, the team from the Council of Great City Schools. You still have instability in the district. Um, you still have positions to fill. You have a superintendent that's five months in. You have a new board member coming on. And from the outside, while it may feel more stable to you, it is still unstable, and I, I would Caution the district to in any way you can to continue on the road to stability. Um, that is one of the things when you look at great districts and fiscally solvent districts, there's ongoing stability, ongoing patterns of expenditure and revenue. And those are the kinds of things that FICMAT would look at in the fiscal health review analysis. I'm trying to think of what else um, I was going to say. The, the issue with posting um, 
st- posting um, staffing expenditures, payroll, is clearly a major issue. It makes it very difficult to know where you stand at any given point. I think, again, Ms. Gordon has done a great job in figuring out where we think we are or where you, I feel like I'm we now, so <laughs> you'll forgive me. Uh, I'm full in, and I know Ms. Lazan is full in, but I think we all have a long way to go to get to the point where we can say, this is an accurate picture of our budget today. All that being said, you know, I, uh, Ms. Lazan may have some comments. She's, as I've said before, she's the brains out on the mouth, um, but Again, I want to congratulate Ms. Amarie on just a tremendous job on this interim report. Given the circumstance, I mean, her staff has been with one foot fixing in power and the other foot trying to get the budgets done, and you're all to be commended. I want to thank you all and, and the board for your continued support of your fiscal staff. Happy to answer any other questions. Pam, did you have additional insights you'd like to share? Well, I'd just like to say that um, I feel very confident that Anne-Marie Gordon and also her um, executive director or interim executive director, Emily Meyer, they did uh, an outstanding job working through this first interim report. This was really probably the more... um, I would say the easier one to be doing. So we're already going to be starting right away on the second interim report in January so that we can present that information to you in March. And I feel very confident that they are going to have a lot more information to share with you and more details, um, especially moving towards the 23-24 budget. But they're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Um, I had additional questions related to, well, it's been over a year um, with our fiscal experts and the tremendous work that fiscal experts have also coached and guided um, the budget team and the district overall. Um, Elliot spoke a little bit, as well as Commissioner Matomini, raising about um, the fixed mat and the fiscal health risk. While it is not our role as the board to tell the superintendent the how. Still, one of the major concerns that I have in this next phase is around the fiscal operations. So I wanted to ask, you know, how does, um, to the fiscal experts, you know, how do we reconcile uh, at the governing body level around now with some, you know, acknowledgement around a positive um, recommendation uh, whilst needing to address the fiscal health, um, you know, and, and hearing from the superintendent that commitment to around that progress. But what are some things that you would coach us on or advise us, particularly around the fiscal operations, which again is not directing the superintendent on the how, but really at the um, at the board level, things that we need to be monitoring closely around progress and understanding the risks. That's a short question if you're asking us. Um, I think, first of all, keeping the framework of the FHRA Front and present is, is critical. I mean, we would tell you that. We would tell staff that. 
we look at that as a guideline because those are they're they're not they're not criteria that are pulled out of a hat. They're ones that have been seriously concerned, I mean seriously vetted over a number of years and that really are predictive of a district's fiscal health. So it's kind of ironic to say that in a way you can be meeting your obligations, but you're still not fiscally healthy. And I think that's that's the condition. That's how I would phrase it, because sooner or later along the road you're going, you're going to reach that place where you can't reach them. So I, I want to reiterate the <clears throat> putting in place fiscal controls, um, making sure your staffing matches your revenues. I recognize that you have a severe staffing issue in terms of getting permanent staff. It probably doesn't help to know you're not alone, but um, everybody in the state is is encountering this, and it's probably doubled down in San Francisco for a number of things. And so that's very important to continue on that staff uh, staffing. I know the superintendent intends to bring an organizational plan that I think will lend greatly to stability in the district. Um, and listen to Anne Marie. She she's telling you the important things, and and I, I will say I hope I'm um, along the line with your your advisors from Council of Great City Schools. You it may not be your role to dictate the how. You are talking about the what, but it's also your role to understand the how. And I believe as board members, as we encourage staff to ask of us. You have every right to know what what is being done to get to the I mean, what the how is to get to the what? Boy, that's a mouthful. Did that make sense? But you have a right to know and where you're at in terms of the fiscal health risk analysis. And, and I applaud those comments. Also, again, want to thank Superintendent Wayne. Um, he's come a long way. We're, we're sitting in a much better position than we were a year ago. I understand. The issues were within power, but I think declaring a state of emergency and repositioning staff while it's been painful for a number of people has been in, in very, very crucial. And I, I just encourage people to keep moving forward and not slow down and not stop. Thank you. All right. I think that will. Uh, yeah, Dr. Wayne. Um, uh, thank you for the discussion, and I uh, appreciate Anne-Marie Gordon for the uh, presentation, but the work behind putting together the interim report, and do appreciate the the, um, uh, the support and guidance from our CDE advisors. While we didn't ask for it, I think originally, it's been very beneficial. Um, so just want to share, uh, having heard the discussion, um, and I want to talk about where we're going. So we already have on the schedule a February, um, actually what day, let me just make sure, I have the, the date, February um, 7th, uh, budget workshop. This will be our second budget uh, workshop training. The first one was last week and it, it focused more on um, how, to, how to go about budgeting in light of newly, our newly adopted vision, values, goals, and guardrails. This second workshop is going to be much more focused on our budget and on what we learned from the state around the governor's budget proposal. Um, so I think 
in planning that, uh, we already uh, have some areas that we know we need to uh, discuss, like how we're aligning our, uh, our, our plan and process to begin aligning our budget to our goals, um, what we're doing to address deficit spending. Um, so I'll also add on the question of how we're um, using restricted funds, and uh, that will provide a forum for a deeper explanation of that, as well as an update on uh, where we are with the FICMAT recommendations, as well as CDE um, guidance we've received uh, too. So um, that will come in February. I do want to, uh, to share, um, you know, uh, uh, to um, Elliot's point, we are deficit spending, and to, to some extent it's intentional in that we do have the uh, large fund balance, and we did have obligations to our employees um, and to do right by them that we wanted to make sure we were meeting. Uh, what the fund balance does is gives us, um, you know, uh, gives us some time to be thoughtful about how we uh, uh, eliminate our deficit spending, but that is something we will need to do. And so that will be definitely be a focus of the conversation of how uh, the near-term steps and then the long-term steps we need to take to uh, eliminate the deficit spending. And so uh, that's what we can start to look for. And, and, and so that's not all going to be answered on February 7th. So that's our next uh, in-depth budget conversation, but it's going to be a multi-year process to really get on the, the uh, you know, to have a, you know, a balanced budget without deficit spending and kind of right size, um, uh, you know, uh, our, our organization and, and making sure, most importantly, that our resources are supporting um, uh, how we're addressing our goals for student learning. So uh, that's what we can look forward to in the next, uh, it, it feel, February feels like a long time, but it'll be right around the corner and then um, we'll have, uh, then we'll go through our budget process and bring forward our budget in, in June. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. I'd like to call for a roll call vote. <laughs> Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Commissioner Bogus, or Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. And President Lamb? Yes. Six eyes. Thank you. Action item number 2221213SP1, annual five year report relating to the collection and expenditure of developer fees. Superintendent. Um, thank you. This is a required report um, on fees we receive that we are able to use to support our schools. Um, so I'll turn it over to our head of facilities, uh, Ms. Kamenolathan. Good evening, commissioners. This will be a very brief item. Our recommended action tonight is that the board review and adopt the attached developer impact fee annual and five-year reports for the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2022. Um, this is an annual requirement. Developer impact fees are collected annually. In 2022, we collected about $10 million um, and spent about $6 million. I'm rounding. <laughs> Uh, the impact fees are constrained quite narrowly in terms of potential expenditures, and they have to be expended um, for projects associated with the growth or demographic 
um, expansion of our student body. And so most commonly used for smaller projects around things like portables when schools expand beyond their existing footprint, and then also projects like Mission Bay, um, potential school at Treasure Island. Um, again, buildings enhancements that are being done to deal with the expansion of growth. I'm happy to take any questions. Actually, now we're going to go to public comment before we open up for discussion. There's no in-person public comment for this item. Please raise your hand if you care to uh, share your comment for this item. Can we please have, each speaker will have one minute. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Si usted desea hacer un comentario público, Con respecto a este tema, tiene un minuto. Muchas gracias. Si usted desea hacer un comentario público con respecto a este tema, tiene un um, you mentioned that um, there's a uh, we collected about 10 million and spent about five, uh, six million. The remainder of that is that just sitting there for a while. We do have um, needs that yes. fit the restrictions. So um, I forgot. Do we have accumulated? How much have we accumulated? We do. We have about um, 20 million dollars in accumulated fund balance right now. And that's part of the budget of the restricted funds? That we just, is that true? Uh, it's not an operating funding stream. It is for capital expenditures only, so. I think that it's a, um, it might be a whole, it's, I don't, uh, I think that's outside of our general fund. Yes. Right, so I don't think it's in that. That's but that is an example of a restricted fund yeah. that, um, you know, can only be used for certain purposes, but it's outside of our general fund. And I think, so then this would, these fund, these funds then, um, in, when will they be accessed? Or I think that's what Commissioner Shoes. Yeah, absolutely. We intend to use some of these funds to offset costs associated with Mission Bay and the construction of that building to limit the impact to the bond program. Um, we also have upcoming, as we contemplate, expansions of facilities to support the student assignment policy, potentially, or the realignment of our portfolio. That is also an appropriate use of those funds. And um, as we're completing our Southeast facility planning, that will also drive projects that I think will benefit from this funding and we do have our former Treasure Island campus which was um, we closed in the early 2000s but we do now have an option to take um, at Treasure Island back if we need it for instructional purposes and while we have about five million dollars that's owed us for the development of that facility should we pursue it um, this developer impact fees is also an exactly the type of funding source we would use to complete any kind of ups upgrades or renovations needed to make that site um, useful for SFUSD. And then I think just uh, ultimately, you know, we, you shared, uh, I think a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, our facilities assessment that will lay the foundation for our facilities master plan, mm -hmm. which we know we saw in the assessment there's multi-billion dollar needs that we're not going to have all the funding for. But that's where then we start to lay out the different projects. These funds 
uh, can contribute to the, well, overall will be a part of our facilities master mm -hmm. plan strategy, correct? Yes, that and is correct. And right now you're hearing projects that we know are in play, but uh, again, once we have the context of a full facilities master plan, it will be, uh, that, that will be part of, uh, again, will help support the, the projects for that. I have a follow-up to that. So if this is not part of the general budget that we just saw in the last presentation, it's not part of the bond funds, this is a separate bucket. How many other separate buckets do we have? Well, Commissioner, I would just speak to you for capital funding. There are basically only four major funding sources for the capital program. There's the general obligation bond program, developer impact fees. We have a mellow roos, which is an annual you know tax that we're collecting from residences for a school life safety tax that yields around you know seven million dollars a year. And then we have the deferred maintenance fund, which is a three percent set aside of the overall general fund, um, and that does provide some funding for capital. Although most of that funding does show up in the operating budget, um, particularly for custodial services uh, salaries. That's it? We don't have any other buckets somewhere else? I've got a few other random odds and ends that are probably not worth detailing at but this time. But those are capital, you're talking those about are the, the major, buckets, Those are our major funding sources for the capital, for capital program. And then we have the general budget. Is that it? Yeah, so the, so the, we have the general fund, which is restricted and unrestricted, but then outside of that, there are other, um, you know, there are other funds that fall outside general ed. So for example, like early education is a different, is a whole different fund um, that, uh, that's you know, not the, that's not part of the general fund. So there's usually, there's early ed, there's facilities, um, the cafeteria fund, uh, for food service, for student nutrition services. So these are different, different funds. Commissioner Motami. Okay. Um, thank you for the update. I, I, um, I know we're doing the facilities master plan, but I also am just curious as we look at these different funds, including this one, when we have compliance issues like ADA compliance issues that are, that are um, being flagged as immediate need or even public safety issues, recognizing that we want to have funds available for buffering much larger projects. How, um, I think, I mean, I, I know this is a larger discussion and I yeah. know I ask you about this <laughs> regularly, but I, you know, when I see funding and I know that there are compliance issues and um, family requests for projects, I, I, I'd like to understand how that all is coming together. Commissioner, safety pro safety related, oh, let me step back there for a minute. Um, one, the amount of capital funding we have for those kinds of issues that come up, whether they're compliance related or again, just community driven to improve functionality of the site is very narrow. So again, it comes down to $7 million a year, <laughs> maybe, and then a portion of that is again being used for buildings and ground salaries out of the Melarus. So like last year we managed to cobble together $5 million a year. 
the bond is paying for the overwhelming majority of capital projects that we're moving forward, and it's largely tied up in the modernization program and then SNS and DOT. So that is the challenge, is that we have a very small amount of money available for us to like respond to emerging issues. That being said, I have worked with my team to outline a set of priorities this year, very much focusing on school site security. So Columbine locks first, and this was also using a blend of bond dollars allocated in October 2021, right, the $11 million for school site security. That is not sufficient to cover everything we need, so we're using that plus deferred maintenance funding to try and prioritize, again, the delivery of Columbine locks. My next priority is PA systems. Um, and we're trying to use that narrow pot of funding, that $5 million to round out the bond funding and also respond to other things like water intrusion issues, roofs that are failing, foundations, fencing. But a lot of it goes into a queue that you see in the facility condition assessment that years and years of that queue building re result in deferred maintenance and the facility condition assessment is capturing that some sites are really struggling under the burden of the deferred maintenance that's accumulated. And just one clarification, is ADA included in that, in the facilities assessment, ADA compliance and needs? Uh, the district has uh, what's called a transition plan um, that, again, as a result of the Lopez settlement, we have very documented, <laughs> clearly documented objectives about what we're supposed to accomplish for ADA. When we do get ADA complaints, we have a specific project manager in the facilities design construction team who responds to them. They are funded and pushed to the top of the, um, to the line. So when I have seen ADA complaints, they have been funded and addressed. Thank you. I realized I didn't open up with a motion in a second, so oh. go ahead. Okay. And then also, I appreciate the questions. I just want to make a note. When, when there's like immediate emergency needs, we're going to respond and do what it, it takes to uh, address them. And then just going back, because I saw, uh, just going back to your que uh, questions, I saw Commissioner Sue, you still looking. So I just checked. Those other funds are in the interim reports. We have a um, so in the first interim that we just submitted, all the other funds are in there as well. We just don't highlight them because we're not, that's not part of the certification. When we come forward with a positive, uh, neg uh, qualified or negative, that's based on, really just based on our unrestricted funding, but we look at our overall uh, general fund because the, they are uh, a lot of related expenditures, like special education is a restricted fund that's in the general fund, but it's uh, impacts, but there's unrestricted funds that are, you know, transferred to the restricted funding of the general fund. So we present the general fund altogether, but don't focus the presentation on the cafeteria funds or the bond funds or those other, but they are in the interim report. So moved. Second. Thank you. Roll call vote, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. And President Lamb? Yes. Six eyes. Thank you. All right, third time's a charm. So, action item number 322213SP3 emergency declaration and delegation to superintendent um, to enter into contracts for emergency um, excavation removal of contaminated soils and replacement with clean soil at 
Buena Vista Horace Mann School. I'd like to ask for a motion in a second. So moved. Second. Dr. Wayne. Yeah, and um, there, I, I just, uh, before discussion and uh, any public comment, I want to give Ms. Kamalanathan the opportunity to explain. So why are we bringing this forward? What does this accomplish? Because we know we have an emergency, but why, uh, why bring this forward? Thank you, Superintendent. Uh, this authorization allows us to bypass typical bidding and procurement procedures to select a contractor, which would normally take upwards of 30 days, um, given that it is our intention to try to restore access and productive use of the interior courtyard at BVHM for students and staff as soon as possible. Winter break is the best time to do that work most efficiently and with least impact to the student community. Um, I'm sorry, to the school community. Um, our progress is somewhat dependent on weather, um, but if we can get the stretch that we need, um, we do think we can move forward and get this work done so that we can restore um, use as early as possible in January. We'll happy to keep you apprised of our progress over the winter break. Um, but we, we did want to take this step um, to be as uh, aggressive as possible. Thank you for that background. Um, I'd like to open for public comment. There's no in-person public comment for this item. Uh, for our virtual participants, please raise your hand if you care to share your public comment on this item. Each speaker will have one minute. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches. Por favor, levante su mano si quiere añadir un comentario público. Tiene un minuto nada más. Gracias. I do see speakers. I, again, we'll call these speakers in groups. So, Ms. Marshall, Chris Klaus, and Bernice Cassie. Again, Ms. Marshall, Chris Klaus, and Bernice Cassie. Uh, thank you. I just uh, echo um, what you shared with us. We appreciate, on behalf of the public, appreciates hearing that you're going to expedite this matter because our children's safety is most is most important. And just keep in mind what our little child said to us earlier that they're they love the garden. Uh, so, we, um, so we appreciate your expediting this matter and hopefully it can be done over, during over winter break and test it before the children could, uh, come back to school. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Klaus. Hi, Chris, uh, special education teacher at Washington High School. I really am glad that you are moving swiftly on this, the safety of the students, staff, and community members that use the facilities at Buena Vista Horace Mann are of the utmost importance. I am hoping that as you continue to work on this for this specific school site, you consider other school sites that may also be impacted by similar problems and consider ways to confirm that all school sites in the district especially those in the areas of our city that are often the most underserved, also get tested before this becomes another problem at another site that gets released into the news media and you cause all of the trauma to families. Be proactive. Test in advance. Test now. Start a new contract, maybe, uh, for people to bid on to test all school sites. Thank you. Thank you.
Bernice. Hello, my name is Bernice Casey. I want to remind um, the superintendent and the board members that our school is also a homeless shelter. So the shelter is right by the garden area and uh, the children of the shelter have been utilizing the garden in the past. I also, when I read the um, motion, you're not talking about the other dirt that surrounds the school. And so it sounds like it would be a waste of limited resources. If you're going to remove the soil, you should be ensuring that all soil at Buena Vista, the, one, the soil along Valencia, 23rd and Bartlett are also tested and if necessary, removed. Thank you. Thank you. And the vet. Um, I have two quick um, comments. One is that since we've had issues with previous contractors in this district submitting um, inaccurate reports about um, remediation or um, other types of reports, wanting to know what type of oversight is going to be built into this contract to ensure that the work is being done, and especially since it's going to be a no-bid contract, that it's not going to be shoddy work. And then number two, um, also in agreement with other speakers who have spoken earlier about the importance of you guys doing this testing at other sites, as well as um, one of the issues that I've been hearing at Buena Vista Horse Man is not just the soil, but also the water. Thank you. And we have one more, um, M. Hi, this is M again. I am the co-vice chair of the Parent Advisory Council. And I just wanted to remind you all that earlier this year, the Parent Advisory Council, in one of our reports, monthly reports that we gave to you, we supported the BVHM's modernization efforts. And so I just want to really uplift that work. And then as an individual, I just really want to say that not only supporting BVHM, but I think about what happened if BVHM wasn't get modernized, you wouldn't have tested the soil. So that makes me think about all the other school sites in our district. And I always think about how often is the soil tested? How often is the water tested at every school? I would love to know the answer to that question. And if that's like every four years, that's too often, that's not enough often. We need to test all the water at every school right now is there lead? Like, where else? Um, and the only reason why we're even doing this test is because people have been requesting for modernization. So really think about all the school sites. And again, I also agree with the public commenter who talked about the soil outside of the school, too, that's still in the school property. Think about that soil as well. Thank you so much, and thank you for doing this resolution. Thank you. That does conclude virtual public comment for this item. Thank you. I'm going to open up for comments and questions from uh, commissioners, but first I wanted to just acknowledge how concerning, extremely concerning, um, the situation is at uh, BVHM. Um, and I wanted to also ask the question around um, the item tonight is around for um, the emergency excavation remo removal of those contaminated soils. Um, 
And how is that connected at BBHM with the contaminated soil and what we, our findings are um, in the water? Commissioner, thank you for asking that question because I do think it's one that um, folks are asking who have exposure to this issue and um, when you aren't involved in kind of routine uh, construction. But the, the, um, at the BVHM community meeting, actually, we had our industrial hygienist consultants, Millennium, present, and they themselves described the fact that the types of lead contamination that you see in soil is largely the result of widespread environment environmental contamination due to like leaded gasoline and other products that were widely available and in use uh, up until the early 90s, right? And so that that becomes ground into the air and it ends up into the soil. The type of um, typically, um, in, in, or I should say in San Francisco, <laughs> not say typically, in San Francisco we are lucky that we have the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir and the SFPUC and so that we don't have to worry like many other communities across the United States about that the source of our water is inherently contaminated. Um, when you get a water quality result around lead, it is more likely that the water as it is leaving the water distribution system and entering the building is now being, lead is leaching into the water in some way. And so then there's two other questions you ask yourself is, is it coming from the pipes or is it coming from the faucet, the fixture itself and the immediate plumbing associated with the, um, you know, the point of distribution, like that particular sink um, or uh, water faucet. Uh, it is a common result that we have now seen not just in 2018 when we did our last round of comprehensive K through 12 water quality testing, but even this summer when we were doing our early education sites, we have been testing water quality all summer um, at early education sites to comply with a new state law. And when we've done that, um, we have, it's very common to have results where as you do all the fixtures at a particular site, some of them come back with lead. Um, detected. Um, the protocol then is to take the faucet offline um, and either in 2018 the protocol was to flush the line, retest, now it's just to replace it with a new fixture and then you go through a flushing protocol to make sure the line is clear and it's not just that there's been sediment collecting from an underused you know faucet for a long time and then you retest. If it comes back clear you have remediated the situation. Um, and so when we see results where you see, um, again, some fixtures coming back clean, others coming back with um, a result that's above five parts per billion or 15 parts per billion, that also really seems to strongly indicate that it's the fixtures themselves, um, which are made out of alloy metals, which often have lead as a component in the metal itself as it corrodes or in the way that the metal is, you know, so soldered together, that eventually that deteriorates and gets into the water. So really different stories about how the same element can end up in water versus soil. Thank, thank you for sharing that. If I could add on just a few thoughts. I mean, first, um, just, you know, I think we need to say, we need to acknowledge, again, from a parent perspective, if you hear there's lead at the school and the soil or the water, like, that's very concerning and all you want to know is we're on it and getting rid of it. Um, <coughs> secondly, um, I appreciate the explanation here and, uh, you know, I, I think I want to be clear, in our efforts to, what I, to rebuild trust, I said we need to be visible, responsive, transparent, and, and um, 
you know, hold ourselves accountable. And, and I think in an effort to be responsive and, and um, responsive and transparent, we also need to be clear in our communication. And so um, already we heard comments tonight that there seem to be mixed messages. And so can you share, we did have, uh, in, an, in an effort to move quickly on the testing, we had um, two different testers come in, right? And one tester did not find um, uh, concerns around um, some particular issues, and another tester did find concerns. Can you speak a little to that uh, as well? Because I think we need to, we uh, again, we need to be precise in what we're sharing, not to minimize, because that's what it comes across as if like, yeah. oh, well, there's that. No, but yeah. to be, to so parents and families and staff have the most accurate information um, to uh, on what's happening. Absolutely. So there were, um, uh, two types of tests being done. So we did ask our industrial hygienist contractor, Millennium, um, to complete, again, water quality tests that were focused on the presence of lead in the water. But we also asked a different part of the SFPUC <laughs> that, doesn't, um, that doesn't work on lead uh, testing, but is focused on um, the presence, basically, of bacteria, um, E. coli, and also other chemicals in water. And so they were two different testing protocols that were run. Um, and I believe the SFPUC responded saying we checked it and it's okay on that chemical and bio, uh, bacterial screen. Um, but so we did have those two separate um, tests being run at the same time. We are also having, again, the SFPUC come back um, this weekend to complete the water quality testing focused on the presence of lead. And that is, again, a separate team and there is a very specific protocol that we need to follow. And so because of that, um, we have to schedule it for a Saturday. Vice President Bogus. Could you talk a little bit about what is the process to get water fountains tested at school sites, mm -hmm. whether or not we have like the internal capability to do that or if there's a third party group. And then the second question I have is, at what level of confidence are we that there aren't similar issues at other schools across the district? Um, and just kind of like, what kind of reassurance can we give to families um, who are concerned or kind of worried that they might have a similar issue that hasn't been um, identified yet at their school? Thank you, Commissioner, for the question. I think um, this is a good example of how heavily we rely on partnerships with the city and county of San Francisco. And I really do want to acknowledge the SFPUC who have just been awesome partners to us um, since 2018. And Karen Sullivan, who's our Executive Director of Facility and Capital Planning, um, has been in regular touch with the SFPUC. Um, during the pandemic, there was a request to maybe pursue um, a round of testing and that was derailed for a number of reasons, but the PUC at that time was very open to initiating a second round of the tests we did in 2018 and updating the test results. The pandemic kind of foreclosed that option. And then now where we're, we find ourselves is that the state law is about to change again. And so the SFPUC would like us to wait until 2024 um, to partner with them to do a full round of testing so that we can be in compliance whatever the law says, what the right threshold is to test and the protocol. The district could pursue 
our own round of testing, but it would be based on earlier standards that we know are about to change, right? So we'd have to talk about it, and it is it is a very labor-intensive um, and resource-intensive um, process. Um, but we have a new state law that has come into effect that has set a, a very specific standard for early education sites, and that's what we've been doing this summer. So the standard we were working with in 2018 was 15 parts per billion um, as our threshold, and that was for K through 12 sites. A separate law has come out that has said for early education sites, you need to have a standard of five parts per billion, and you need to do this testing. So we started that in compliance with the law to Commissioner Matomney's point. When the law shifts, we mobilize the resources, and we um, tested over 39 sites um, from the summer through the early fall, including early um, sites that were co-located with elementary schools. Um, as we got those results, um, there were a number of results that came back, again, higher than the threshold. Um, in this case, five parts per billion, so lower. Um, but we have complied with that mandate, and we have um, shut down those faucets, replaced the fixtures, you know, flushed and tested, um, and um, I believe so far have made sufficient progress on remediating any issue that has come up um, as we've had it. So we have been doing testing quite recently across the district, and I'm just sorry, I'm looking for my number of like, I think out of 284 tests, it was something like 12% of them came back with a test that's higher than five parts per billion. Um, again, our recommended procedures and protocols from the SFPUC, um, as we understand them, are to we have adhered to those. Um, and I'm, I apologize, but I do not feel qualified to speak in any great deal, detail about how to translate that standard into specific, you know, health outcomes. Um, but we are in compliance and we are in conversation with the PUC about how to move as quickly as possible when we have new clear guidance from the state about how to proceed. Any other comments, questions? Okay, so at this time, um, i like to call for roll call. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Com Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman-Ward? Yes. And President Lamb? Yes. Six eyes. We are overdue, but I want to ask for a motion to extend beyond 10 o'clock, please. So moved. Second. Do I have general consensus? Yes. And we'll continue to practice. 10 p.m. Okay. Um, we are now going into um, agenda item K, board members' reports. Oh. My, see, I was getting a little ahead of myself. Um, so I'm going to go back and um, we are going to consent calendar item H. Is there a motion and a second on the consent calendar? So moved. Second. And public comment, members of the public may comment on any matter on the consent calendar, but members of the public shall not be permitted to sever agenda items for a discussion. Um, any items withdrawn or corrected by the superintendent? 
No. Okay. Um, and any items by the board or superintendent separate for discussion vote tonight? Thank you. So roll call vote, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. Vice uh, President Lamb? Yes. Six eyes. Thank you. Uh, consent calendar, retroactive contracts for um, retroactive items two through eight. I'd like to ask for a motion in a second. So moved. Second. Again, members of the public may comment on any matter on the retroactive items on the consent calendar, but members of the public shall not be permitted to sever um, agenda items for discussion. Any items withdrawn or corrected, Superintendent? No. Any items severed by the board or superintendent for discussion or vote tonight? Seeing none, um, roll call vote on retroactive contracts from the Commissioner consent Alexander? Calendar. Yes. Vi Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Shu? Yes. Commissioner Matomedy? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Lamb? Yes. Six eyes. Which now brings us back to brings us to agenda K board members reports uh, reports from board delegates to member organizations. Commissioner Matomedy. Um, oh, see the oh, now see the, we've hit the, this is what happens to me after ten. This, <laughs> there's this I turn into a pumpkin. So um, C CBSA CSBA, CSBA that's yeah. So we attended a conference, San Diego. Um, San Francisco is hosting next year, so uh, no excuses. Um, but President Lamb and myself were able to attend. I was only there for part part of it. Um, President Lamb attended full on, and it was a great opportunity to um, meet colleagues um, from other uh, districts, but also to look at best practices and what folks are doing, especially around LCAP, community engagement, um, budget outlook for the state, and so forth. Um, and I also do want to acknowledge that um, our soon-to-be new commissioner, Alita Fisher, also was able to join and attend the, um, the new board member meeting, and, um, and it was, it, it's great to see the governance practices continuing. I don't know if you wanted to add anything. Uh, overall, the student, um, the delegate assembly um, was an opportunity for CSBA also um, to hear from their delegates throughout the state around the policy priorities um, where um, CSBA will be putting its effort. So we will forward uh, to colleagues um, the uh, materials from highlights of the both workshops as well as the delegate delegate assemblies so that you all can um, see the the learnings there and happy to also incorporate into our uh, governance calendar and practices um, in those highlights and with that um, I also um, want to acknowledge that tonight is Commissioner Shu's final um, full board meeting um, and want to give her an opportunity to share any um, words um, before we uh, close out our evening. Thank you, President Lam. As this is my last official board meeting, I'd like to say that it has been an honor for me to serve on this Board of Education. 
I have learned a great deal about SFUSD, at times horrified by what I learned and at other times delighted. I have enjoyed working with you all and I'm proud to have accomplished a whole lot in the past several months together. Namely, we hired our new super superintendent, Dr. Wayne. We passed a balanced budget with virtually no layoffs. We restored criteria-based admissions to Lowell High School. We did drop the Washington Mural lawsuit and saved our district a, at least a half a million dollars or more. And most recently and importantly, we set five-year goals and guardrails for our district. I am also proud to have personally led the effort from a board's member's position and saved JROTC at Balboa Mission and Galileo High Schools. I'm proud to have represented the immigrant community, not just by being an immigrant on the board, but also championing the values of hard work and academic excellence, which the immigrant community really values, and which is also shared by many, many others in our broader San Francisco community. I'm also proud to have brought common sense and business and management experience to the board so that we can have a more well-run organization that serves our customers who are students, families, and educators. I do also want to address the elephant in the room, which is that while unintentional, I provided some excitement and drama to this board over the summer. My answers to a campaign questionnaire caused an uproar in parts of our community. It is unfortunate that some people chose to focus solely on the political incorrectness of the first part of my answer, which I apologized for, rather than on the point of my entire statement, which is that parent involvement is critical to the success of children in school and in life. And if some parents are unable to provide the support that their students need, whether due to historical and systemic inequities, cultural or life's circumstances, then our schools and our city need to step in and help support those students and families. I have gone into communities in our southeast neighborhoods and spoke with many people since the summer. Many agreed with me on the problem and provided me with more context, which I very much appreciated. And that strengthened my belief that being politically correct and dancing around the problem without naming it and addressing it head on would only perpetuate the problem and hurt our students more. On a similar note, I don't agree with the statement that it is solely the school's or teacher's responsibility to educate our students. In addition to parents having responsibilities, students themselves have responsibility to put in the work of learning. Just like if you want to succeed in the arts or athletics or anything, you have to put in the work to do well in school. And that is what agency means, to take it upon yourself to learn and not just expect to be taught. And lastly, I believe our teachers need to ask and expect more from students, not always baby them and make things easier. When you expect more, most students can and will rise to the challenge and surprise and delight everyone, including themselves. And that will help us close the achievement gap and bring true equity to all of our students.
And I hope we can have honest dialogue about these topics in the future without resorting to name-calling. Anyway, there's a lot of work yet to be done to turn SFUSD into a world-class public education system that our world-class city deserves. And I implore as well as challenge you to continue down the path of focusing on student outcomes and working with the superintendent to achieve those outcomes. And even though I would not be sitting next to you on this dais, I will still be working towards the same goals alongside you. I wish you all the best in your role as commissioners. The students of San Francisco are counting on you. I and many others will be watching and holding you accountable. And next election is just two years away. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shu, for your service. Um, I know it has not been easy um, for when one lands into the seat of serving on this dais and serving on behalf of all of our students um, and this school district. Um, so I want to thank you for your commitment um, to this district and appreciate your service. Um, and with that, wanted to say big thank you. At this time, I'd like to see if there's any announcements from other members. Okay, so we are going to formally adjourn at 1023. Thank you.